0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30
2: a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: I believe we are live, my brother. So before we started recording, we were talking about just what a fucking fantastic time it is to be alive. I mean, the fact that in 2023, you can get online find an apartment fully furnished wi-fi kitchen everything you need figure out the public transportation meet people from the country online arrive there they'll be your personal tour guides introduce you to friends tell you where to go and where not to go and our parents our grandparents for them this idea just doesn't even fucking enter the brain <laughs> correctly because it was impossible for them to do yeah. the same shit but now we can do it The couple clicks of a buttons man it's incredible
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think nowadays it's never been so easy, I would say, to travel or do anything outside of your home country. And not to say, like, the uh, the resources that we have to, like, spend less money or to save money, like, have stuff like couch surfing and Airbnb and things like that. So it's it's amazing, man, the, the time that we're living right now, the resources that we have. And it's such such a blessing to to be able to live in that time because uh, I know my parents have never gotten out of the country. And every time that I asked them, like, what's the reason that you've never visited any other country? They're like, because I only speak Portuguese. <laughs> and that's like, there's like lacking that ability to, to speak a different language. It's yeah. almost like keeping you from having these fantastic experiences that we have. Um, traveling abroad and even that nowadays is being like facilitated by the internet Internet. and the tools that we have. Like I spend, like I've been recently in Argentina and Uruguay and I spent probably like a month on Duolingo (laughs) and then (laughs) I did a few weeks of like listening to podcasts or watching uh, like consuming content in the language and I was like I would say pretty much ready to like have a simple conversation or to at least go through customs at the airport and yeah. things like that. So that goes to show like how much advantage we have nowadays.
2: Yeah, seriously, man. I mean, the fact that you can get online and learn pretty much anything you want to learn most of the time for fucking free, bro. You don't have to pay a single dollar. Just keep paying for Wi-Fi and you're good to go. YouTube is full of resources. There are plenty of apps you can download, Duolingo, et cetera. And what you said is really interesting, bro, that the fact that even today, the main thing that stops people, I can't say all people, but a lot of people, the only thing that stops them is the language barrier, not even the money, because there's more, let's say, reasonable ways to travel these days, something like Airbnb, public transportation in many places isn't so expensive. I mean, you can get by relatively easily, but the language, bro, the language is just it's like non-negotiable you know what i mean because when yeah. i think about when i went to brazil and i think about being here now when i think about you going to argentina uruguay without speaking a single word of the language what are you what are you gonna do the whole time yeah. you're there what are you gonna do walk around like fucking look at buildings bro so i think whether it's english or any other language speaking more than one language no matter what you do in life is just an invaluable skill like it's priceless man It's priceless. And it's easier now than ever. But let me ask you this. Why do you think even now, with all the tools we have at our disposal, with internet and AI and everything, people are still kind of dragging their feet, not really taking it too seriously and not learning more languages? Why do you think that is?
1: Oh, man. It's funny you asked me that because I was thinking about that lately and kind of like trying to make a comparison between my level of Spanish now at I would say the six month mark it's been probably about six months that I've been trying to learn and in comparing that to my English level um, when I was six months in and the difference is like night and day Mm. my Spanish is like it's not close to zero anymore (laughs) I made a little bit of progress but like it's nothing compared to my English yeah. when I was like six months into mm-hmm. into the learning uh, journey. And I found out that that is because having just a little bit of passion about the language mm-hmm. you're learning makes a whole lot of difference, man. It makes a lot of difference. Like the effort that I've put into learning Spanish was definitely a lot less than I did into English back then, but because I wasn't like actually in love with the language or I had any kind of like passion uh, attached to that, my progress was like completely different than English. With English, it was a lot like um, actually having that desire to learn and that passion and and actually relating to the language and, and consuming the media with, with passion, I would say, because mm-hmm. I, I just, I just like what I was doing, and now with Spanish is like I'm doing it because I need to, I doing it because my job requires, I'm doing it because my job wants me to learn, so it's a completely different scenario that makes a completely different uh, um, result at yeah. the end. So that's what I figured out, like the reason that most people are still having a lot of difficulty to learn languages is because they're not really passionate about it Mm -hmm. or they don't actually want it. I think it's one thing to learn because you want it or because one objective that you have or one requirement that you have in life uh, um, uh, requires that you learn that language. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it makes completely different... um, it makes a lot of difference when you when you have that that passion. So I would say that's the reason, man. I think people are not really interested in learning a mm-hmm. language. They just they're just doing it just because you know uh, because not not just um, it doesn't just apply to learning a language. Uh, I guess anything that you do and you're not really like putting your best into it or that's not really what you want to be doing, you're not going to have good results. You're going to be like average maybe if you really try a lot, but it's not going to be like really, really good or excellent. I would say that's like the main reason that a lot of people are not really doing great learning languages. Uh, Do you have a different opinion or a different perspective on it?
2: My perspective is exactly the same as (laughs) yours, bro. It's all about wanting to learn whatever it is you're trying to learn. I think a lot of people, like you said, are learning because they have to just for work, their career, or maybe they move to a country where people speak English, even if they didn't necessarily want to, but they have to be there. So they have to speak the language. And I'll add on to that by saying, apart from lacking the passion or the interest (laughs) and curiosity, let's say, I would also say for most people, it's a a lack of communication skills, bro. Because a lot Um, of people- absolutely a lot of people have access to all the information in the world all the youtube channels podcasts teachers whatever and yet still they don't talk to people every day in english or if they get on a site or an app or something where you're supposed to find people like that they don't necessarily know how to make friends or hold the conversation and stuff like that so i find that a lot of people want to practice with real people and you put them in a room with real people and they're like, uh, what am I supposed to do? What do I say? <laughs> and they kind of, some people expect other people to do all the work. Other people want to do the work, but don't know how. So I think it's really just a lack of understanding that communication is the foundation language is what you put on top of that. And that's how you communicate with other people. But communication comes first because it's not, it's not even just verbal communication. There's also non verbal communication that's involved. So sometimes people obsess way too much over the nouns verbs and adjectives and they don't focus enough on the tone of voice or the physical gestures or the word choice and stuff like that and i think that with the lack of passion and interest and curiosity is a recipe for disaster you know
1: yeah absolutely man and you see a lot of that with people that uh they do not have a great level of like let's say the the concepts of the language of the boring part of the language, like grammar and stuff like that. But they're a very, very good communicator. So they make it happen. Mm -hmm. It's not perfect, but they can communicate. And I think at the end of the day, if I could name one ability that's the most important to not even learn a language, but to use it, because you could also learn a lot of the language and not be able to use it. Like, you can be able to watch movies and understand people or even, like, read in a language, but you cannot use it because you're not a good communicator. So uh, if you don't know, like, the concepts of just communicating by itself, regardless of the language, um, I don't think you'll ever have any, like, success in any language, really, because (laughs) if you don't know how to communicate in your own language, how are you going to make that happen? In a second language, you know, it's impossible. And that's one thing that completely changed the game for me when I started to learn English. Because I remember back when I started, I was very, very awkward when <laughs> trying to make any conversation with people in yeah. my own language. So when I tried to do that in English, it was like a complete disaster. Yeah. So it was funny how um, I was learning English and learning how to communicate at the same time. And then when I made it happen and actually became good at it, the result was I was a better communicator in Portuguese as well and not just in English. So that goes to shows that learning a language can also make you a better person, I guess, at the end because you're a better communicator overall and not just the language you're learning.
2: One thousand percent, man. I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm, just, I'm glad you said it because I'm sure people are tired of hearing me say it. It really is all about communication, bro, no matter what language you're learning. And just like you said, having to learn a foreign language as an adult without like sitting in a classroom or something like that, it forces you to become a great communicator. Me and you are very similar in that way, which is like before I learned Spanish and Portuguese, man, I was awkward as fuck. Just like very... Uncomfortable in my skin, didn't really know what to say or how to say it. And then when you get forced, when you force yourself into a foreign country where nobody speaks your language and the culture is different, it's yeah. like sink or swim, bro. Either you're gonna make it work or you're gonna sit in your hotel room all day crying alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> option number two was never an option for me. So it's like you just have to get out there, put your feet into the fire and let the shit burn a little bit, bro. It's just there's no other way. And I think when you don't have your language that you've been relying on for the past 18 20 30 years or whatever you kind of get sh- all your armor gets stripped off and there's really no way to, to protect or defend yourself the way you normally would in your language so you're kind of forced also to be humble to listen more listen more right. attentively be a little bit more curious and really learn how conversations work and really learn how to have a conversation with many different kinds of people all the time and that's for any language and like you said after learning The two languages I speak now, I became a much better and more confident communicator in English. To now, I know the formula. I know how to learn pretty much any language, no matter how long it's going to take. The formula is very simple. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get out there and talk to people, bro. Learn about the art of communication and you'll be fine. Because nobody gives a fuck about your nouns, verbs, and adjective choices. They just want to know the idea you're trying to transmit. And if you can do it without being an asshole. Are you nice to talk to? Can you listen? Can you talk about something other than yourself? That has nothing to do with language, bro. That's communication. Yeah. So I just wish more people would kind of wake up to that and stop obsessing over the verb to be and fucking phrasal verbs because you could know a thousand of them and still be a dick and nobody wants to talk to you, you know? Absolutely, man. A
1: hundred percent. And it's a good thing that I think once you know that, it becomes a lot easier to learn other languages because now you have that part like out of the way exactly. you've already mastered that and you only have to 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 apply that concept but it's definitely a very uh, uh humbling experience as well man yeah, because yeah. i remember when i was learning english i got to a point where i was like yeah i i know a lot like i know the adjectives and the verbs i know how to conjugate shit <laughs> i'm good at it and then you will try to actually have a conversation with somebody and you're like man, I don't know how to ask questions. Yeah, I don't know how to make statements. Yeah. I don't know how to listen. Like, how am I going to get a good conversation out of this? So definitely have to take a step back and realize that I don't know how to communicate. I don't know how to have a conversation and then learn those concepts so you can actually make some progress. And also, man, one thing that I've been um, reflecting a lot lately is that like talking about uh, getting more humble in a process is that like the beginning part, I kind of was forced to remember that learning Spanish now is that the beginning part definitely makes you a lot more humble because like the, the, the feeling that you get of like feeling like you're a baby when you're speaking and like not being able to get your point across and some people that are more, like, rude than others, just looking at you, like, like, you're in fear or something. That feels, like, very, very humbling. Like, yeah, I'm not a child anymore. Because if you're a child, like, people cut you some flag, you yeah, know, exactly. like, no, nah, nah. you know, it's just a little kid, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's funny or whatever. But when you're a adult, man, and you're, like, in a job meeting or sitting in a bar talking to girls and you sound like a baby you can get your point across You have an accent that kind of forces you to be humble like yeah man i gotta take little steps <laughs> and learn little by little until i become like decent at it you
2: 100%. know 100 <laughs> percent, bro i think it's good for you though i think it really is good for your character your personality just like being reduced to much less than you thought you were Cause a lot of us Especially in our native language We walk around Thinking we're the shit And we have that That level of Let's say proficiency With our own language And our own words So we know what to say And how to say it We have those patterns Of speaking and everything But when you don't Speak the language And you're in a foreign country Like Nobody knows who you are. Nobody gives a shit who you are, bro. Especially you're a grown ass <laughs> man and you're trying to talk in broken Spanish, just asking for a favor. People are like, what What the fuck you want, bro? Let's get to the point. What are you trying to say? They look at you like you're fucking dumb or something like that. And you just, <laughs> you see the look on their face and you're oh shit. You, know, you get a little bit nervous and then you speak even worse. You know what I mean? It just fucking, it all goes downhill. I think what's key for people, anybody listening to understand is that. That is part of the process. It is supposed to be that way. It doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. You are supposed to go through difficulties before you up your skill level. Otherwise, what would be the point? There would be no up in skill level if it were just as easy to be on level two as it is on level nine. So it's like, you're supposed to go through that. For me, every day I leave the house. And I thought I spoke Spanish before I got here. I really did. I got here and I was like, yo, Looks like I forgot pretty much everything I learned, you know what I'm saying? Cause I leave the house, I probably understand like on a good day, 70% of what these people say to me on a good day, on a normal day, 50, 60%. And it's enough to like get the idea of what people say, use my intuition to get the, you know what I'm saying? To get the whole meaning and respond. But it's, you know, that's listening. When it comes to speaking, bro basic stuff i'm great my accent is fine people are like oh damn you don't have an accent you don't sound like the typical american everything i'm like okay yeah but putting actual sentences together complex sentences having conversations about like deeper topics man please bro fuck out of here so i've just had to be like really disciplined every day writing in my journal watching series and movies and shows only in spanish listening to podcasts and every single day leaving the house going somewhere and trying to interact with people because i mean What else can you do? You know what I mean? But you just got to keep going, fucking keep getting, not literally, but punched in the face by reality and realize like you're not as good as you want to be. And the only way to get there is through more practice, bro. Just keep fucking facing whatever that difficulty is. So with language, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to feel like a fucking idiot before you get to that higher level. Otherwise, I don't think you would appreciate it. You know what I mean? And um, I think it's like that with everything, right? whether you're learning yeah, football the paint saying whatever yeah. it's like that with everything
1: a hundred percent man and i think that's the reason that a lot of people give up in a process is that there's a lot of persistency involved of like it's difficult it's not easy it's not supposed to but i'm gonna keep going out and keep trying and keep trying to make progress and um uh, and also something i, I experienced in 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 Argentina, like talking about uh, getting out of your comfort zone and going out there and trying to talk to people, is that you can't really expect that everybody's going to be friendly or welcoming with like your accent and oh, there's a tourist speaking Spanish or whatever, it sounds cool, let's talk to him. Not everybody is like that. You know, there's a lot of assholes that definitely do not appreciate the fact that you're trying and you're making an effort. Like one uh, example that I can remember is uh, when I was in, in Argentina, I was um, I was trying to get to one of those. Um, I don't know what it's called in English, but it's pretty much. Like a like a barbecue restaurant where you get like any amount of meat that you want for like a fixed price. Oh,
2: like a steakhouse or something like, like that. Like a steakhouse, yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. Yeah. And they call it uh, paricha in in Argentina. Okay. And uh, in Brazil, we have this like stereotype or idea that in Argentina they have a lot of great meat for. Uh, a much less, like a much cheaper price than in Brazil. So it's like if I'm in Argentina, I gotta get some meat from here, go to a steakhouse and something. And then I, like, I didn't wanna, for some reason, I didn't wanna get in my comfort zone and like search on Google Maps. Mm. I wanna have that experience of like asking people around and asking for information in Spanish and kind of have that experience. And um. I was asking around a few people, like, hey, do you know where uh, uh, this uh, Parisha is? And people were being really friendly until I got to this one guy, and I was like, hey, uh, por favor, sabe donde está a Parrilha del Gaúcho? And he was like, what did you say? parilla del Gaúcho. And he was like, (laughs) Parisha. Like, Learn to speak, man, like Parisha is <laughs> Parisha del gaúcho. I was like, Yeah, yeah, Parisha.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like he was like, Direcho, like just just keep walking, like just really, really rude. Yeah. Almost like uh uh being mad because didn't pronounce it right or something. And then like about ten minutes later, as I was getting closer, I asked somebody else and the guy was like I'm actually going in that direction. We can go together. I can walk with you. So there's different kinds of people. And some people are going to be nice with you and really friendly when they realize that you speak, uh, uh, that you're a foreigner and you don't really speak their language. But some people are really not going to appreciate it. And the thing is, you cannot be discouraged by that or feel less than because of that know, because people like that is always going to be around. And you have to maintain that conf- confidence of, like, this guy will never understand what it's like to learn a language and the difficulty that it is. So you can't really uh, pay much attention to that. But that goes to shows that that fantasy of, like, yeah, I have an accent. I speak a different <laughs> language. Everybody's going to fuck with me. You know, it's not really like that for like, all the time
2: yeah not for most of us i would say it's certainly not and let that be a lesson to anybody listening first of all even in your home country bro you know they're assholes everywhere everywhere they keep making more of them every fucking day but there are also some great fantastic amazing welcoming warm people everywhere you just have to look for them you have to believe that they're out there i think sometimes we kind of get Especially now when a lot of us spend time inside on our phones, looking at a screen, thinking this is the world when it's really, you know, it's just a slice of it. It's very easy to get into the mindset of, oh, this world is terrible. People are racist. Everybody hates me. No one's friendly, blah, blah, blah. In some cases, that's definitely true, but not in all of them. And if you go out looking for that, then you're just going to find that. You know what I mean? So I think trying to keep a more open mind and not let any individual interaction determine how you feel about yourself. Or how you feel about the day. Which can be challenging sometimes. Because if you're particularly sensitive. Even a bit more introverted or whatever. Like you. I don't know for us interactions are just a little bit different. And your confidence might really be affected. If you finally worked up the fucking courage to leave the house. You're going to go ask somebody for simple directions. And then it comes out broken. And they look at you like you're fucking dumb. And say learn the language and get out of here. It's very easy to let that just destroy you bro. Just you say, I'm stupid. I'm never practicing Spanish again. I'm going back to Brazil. Fuck this shit. But no, nah, you can't do that because like you just said, that person clearly just doesn't understand what it's like to be in your position. So just let it go, bro. It doesn't say anything about you. The way people treat you typically says nothing about you. So you can't really think too much about it. You know, don't be an asshole. Obviously, try to be a decent person. And if this person won't help you or treat you friendly, just fucking go talk to somebody else bro like it's not that big a deal yeah it's not that big a deal so i experienced the same thing here man it's like sometimes when you don't like when i look i can pass for a colombian in some places but as soon as i open my mouth (laughs) when i open my mouth they're like oh you're not from here huh bro where are you from what's going (laughs) on immediately they kind of know and for some people it's like As soon as they figure out, like me particularly, when they figure out you're American, they either treat you ridiculously better or ridiculously worse. It's usually never right there in the middle. You know what I mean? And I just learned, kind of like you said, to just, you don't really pay too much attention to it, bro. You don't let that affect your confidence. You just, whether it's positive or negative, go on about your fucking day because no single interaction is going to determine the rest of your life, or at least it shouldn't, especially when we're talking about your confidence, your mentality, and your willingness to just Get the fuck back up and keep trying. Nah, bro. Nah. Nah, you can't let shit like that get to you, bro.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, like, going from, like, you're coming from a guy that, like, you're super confident. Speak your <laughs> own language in her country. Like, you know how to do simple shit, like, ask for directions. And then when you can't do that in a native language, people act like you're dumb that can really mess with your confidence. But I think what really makes up for it is that there's also a lot of people that really, really appreciate the fact that you're learning their language and even encourage you a lot. Like I remember this girl uh, at the office where like, I didn't want to speak Spanish because I knew that it was like zero chance to communicate. And I was like, oh, I, I prefer to speak English. And uh, she was like, no, uh, you can try. Uh, We're going to teach her whatever. And then like the first word that I said in Spanish, she was like, oh, your Spanish is so (laughs) good. It sounds great. That's (laughs) awesome. Like really encouraging me a lot and making me feel, you know, comfortable to use the language. So like there's people and there's people, you know, so you got to be able to balance that, and not let that affect your confidence. But, um, Man, it really, it really does make you a good uh, communicator. Even now with Spanish, uh, I feel like it definitely made my communication skills a lot better. Because uh, something that um, I think I kind of stopped doing in English for a while is like trying to find the most simple way of saying something, just for lack of like words and and, and ways to say that. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it really forces your mind to like actually be more concise, be more like objective, and being able to think faster, I guess. And uh, that definitely had a huge impact hmm. in my in my Portuguese because it's it's like in your in your native language you have so many resources and so many words and so many fancy ways of saying stuff that a lot of times you just. Keep going and going and going and you don't say shit. And then doing that in English when I was like more more basic really forced me to be like, "Hey, say what you mean, get to the point." Not because I was trying to, but because I didn't have any more words to use, mm-hmm. or I didn't have a, 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 a like a broad vocabulary, and I had an impact in my Portuguese. And kind of, I kind of stopped doing that. After a while with English, because I as I got more vocabulary, and then with Spanish, I, I I got back to that of like I don't know a lot of words. My vocabulary is like close to zero. So let's just try to say stuff the most simple way possible, doing the best portuguese that I can, mm-hmm. and just get to the point. So it was it was it was funny to to to, to, to get back to that mm-hmm. point of like being basic in the language or beginner in the language, but also being able to communicate at the same time. Because one, you're a good, or a decent communicator. And two, because you, you know, that concept of like using the words that you actually need to use to communicate.
2: Exactly. But do you feel like when you're speaking, how can I ask this? Like when you're speaking Spanish, do you feel that you're at all yourself? I mean, do you feel any, when you're expressing yourself in Spanish, do you feel like you are actually coming through? Or even in English, I guess I should ask, because you're more advanced in that one. Do you feel like when you're speaking in English that you can actually be yourself or you're the English speaking version of Mateos right now? Or is there a difference?
1: Oh man, yeah. With English, there's definitely a difference. Um, with Spanish, not as much because I feel like with Spanish, because I do so much portuguese <laughs> and there's that uh, uh, similarity with with the words. I I, I kind of felt like a little bit more myself. Mm. But with English, man, to this day, I feel like there, there's something different there. Mm. I don't know if it's like we, we talked about this before of like not feeling the exact weight
3: yeah. behind each
1: word and how it's like it, it's a little easier to like have the words like just fly out of your mouth and just say it. I guess because of that, I feel a little bit more liberty, I would say, or freedom to, to, to speak to express myself when I'm speaking English um and I think I definitely sound a little bit different most people have told me that before you definitely Maybe sound different, more but... I don't know if I sound more outgoing or expressive in English than in Portuguese something like that but uh I definitely feel like there's something to that you know for for a long time I thought that uh um there there's there's no such thing as speaking different languages and having different personalities mm. for, for each language. But nowadays, man, after, cause I thought that it, it was just a matter of getting more advanced in the language. I was like, yeah, once I get more advanced in English or once I become like more close to, I don't know, a native speaker,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I'll start feeling more like myself. Cause I have more, uh, um, uh, I know the language better now. Right. But I don't know, I mean, I don't know if I haven't gotten to that level of, like, actually mastering the language in that level Mm. to be able to be myself. But for you, man, I think you're the best person to answer that because you definitely sound (laughs) like a Brazilian. (laughs) Like, not only you can pass as a Brazilian, but, like, you totally uh, have mastered the the Portuguese language. So for you, man, like, I think you have reached... The highest point that anybody could get to learning a language mm. uh, in Portuguese. So, do you feel like it's a matter of like becoming comfortable enough with the language, or knowing enough of the language, or what do you? What's your perspective on it?
2: I don't. I mean, for me personally, I would say now when I'm speaking Portuguese, at least I feel like myself, but like a like a it's like the same drink but a different flavor. You know what I mean? I'm still me but like when I'm speaking English it's like Coca-Cola. This isn't a good example, but when I'm speaking Portuguese it's like caipirinha. You know what I mean? Like you're still going to fucking quench your thirst no matter what you do. But it's just different flavors, you know what I'm saying? For different occasions and shit like that. So I I feel the same way when I'm speaking English and Portuguese. It's just like I'm me but it's not the same exact me. When I speak Spanish now, for example, nah, I don't feel like myself at all. I'm For me, when I learn a foreign language, if I'm t- learning to speak one, and I'm trying to speak like a native, what I typically do is pick one or two, at the most, three individuals that speak that language, and I try to just be them. Not like trying to change my personality, but in the way they express themselves, the words they choose, the cadence of their speech and everything like that. And so once I've kind of mastered that quote unquote, then I can focus on just expressing myself through this channel that I've created for, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but like I lay this path based on all these other natives whom I admire or kind of like I identify with, like, okay, I practice expressing myself more or less like that or more or less in that way. Then once I have the path, then I can just walk it and be me. And then just over time, the longer I walk, the more of myself I feel even though it's still kind of a different flavor. Like people tell me usually when I speak English, I'm a bit more like serious, laid back, low key, very direct. But if I speak Portuguese, I'm much more (laughs) expressive and playful and shit like that. And same thing with Spanish. So I think that's an interesting thing about learning different languages is I think you don't necessarily change as a person, but I think you give yourself the chance to develop more of you. All these things that were kind of lying dormant now have the chance to kind of like sprout and bloom and grow over time. And you just can't get the same I don't know if you can. I just imagine you can't get the same level of growth or let's say dynamism in your personality without learning to speak multiple languages. Absolutely. I don't know.
1: Absolutely, man. Uh I, I have definitely experienced that where people have told me that I sound a lot more serious in Portuguese. But I don't know what it is, man. I don't try to sound different, it just comes out a different mm-hmm. version, I guess, but uh, I guess a lot of that has to do with the fact that, I guess, speaking a foreign language, you never really know how much impact each word has, true. so for me, it feels a lot easier for me to say something like... Uh, go fuck yourself, and, like, (laughs) vai se fuder, vai tomar no seu cu. Like, I feel, like, the impact, and that, you know, that weight behind the word. So, yeah, yeah, that makes it easier, I guess, to to express yourself. And, like, I have touched on topics before that's a little bit awkward for me to talk about in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And in English, I don't feel that at all, or I do in a much less degree, you know? Yeah. So just not having that closeness to the words, I guess, if
2: that if that makes any sense. Yeah, of course. For, I experienced the same thing, whether it's Spanish or Portuguese. Like you said, you don't feel, like if I say something in English, kind of like you say, go fuck yourself or whatever, some strong words, so you're talking about very delicate topics, you just feel it in a way, you're almost inhibited by your emotional connection to the words. And then when you speak in a foreign language about the same thing, There's not much of an emotional connection there. And so if you have a high enough level, you know what you're saying. You just don't feel it in the same way. And I don't know why that is. I don't know what the cause of that is. But I will say it's also really helpful for just getting to know yourself. Because there are certain things that you may never talk about with another person in your native language. But you feel completely comfortable talking about in a foreign language. So I think... Again, it just goes back to, I don't know if we said this during this conversation, but just talking to people, bro. In your native language, in foreign languages, whether you're introverted or extroverted, it it doesn't make a difference. It's not an excuse. I think talking to people is the best way to learn about languages, about yourself, about human nature, about life. You need to fucking talk to people, bro. A lot of people are sitting at home in silence or staring at their phones and they wonder why communication skills suck or they can't learn English or whatever. They can't get girls, they can't get a job, they nothing, nothing, nothing. And it's just because they're not communicating or working on themselves. You know what I mean? So I think that's for me, learning languages kind of like it's one, it's almost like a side project that keeps you focused and improving on something all the time. One of the most important things, which is communication skills, because you constantly have to work on it. Otherwise you're gonna lose it all. So I think by learning foreign languages, you're constantly forcing yourself out of your comfort zone and learning how to express yourself better, more clearly, more concisely, like you said. And those skills translate to all other areas of life, bro. It's universal.
1: Absolutely, bro. A hundred percent. And it's, it's funny you bring that up because I was, I was thinking about, like, I, I realized that before starting to learn a language, the idea of like sitting down with somebody and having a conversation for like hours and hours, it just never would never feel comfortable to me. And that's never something that I really try to do in life, I guess, before learning English, like what we're doing right now, like Mm. sitting down and just talking for hours. And then after becoming comfortable with that, it, it just changed my life because it, it changes your life in a way that you don't feel awkward. Like, even like like a weird example, just just talking to girls, for example. Because if you think about it, the the act of like the experience that you have on like hello Talk, for example, when you're like talking to somebody for the first time and trying to make that connection with a stranger that you've never met before, like using uh, a foreign language to do that, it's not really that much difference from like sitting at a bar with the girl and talking to her for the first time. Yeah. If, you, if you think of the concept behind that, it's not really that different. So it, it really uh, goes into many different areas of your life. I feel like like I've become so much more confident to have job interviews, to talk to girls, to make friends, to participate in uh, meetings at work, things like that. And that almost makes me uh, uh, thankful or grateful for the fact that I've started to learn a language because... Uh I guess the amount of progress that I made in life and the success that I had at work definitely has a lot to do with my ability now to communicate and to express myself. And all of that came through uh, trying to learn language because I understood that concept of like I have to learn how to communicate in order to to learn this language and that's the most uh, 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 one of the most crazy things about learning a language to me is like you try to learn a language for many different reasons but you never really imagine that it would impact in like your personal life outside of that field of like learning a language. It goes into like other areas of your life and that makes me very, very uh, thankful for that because I'm sure if I never had that thought or that idea of learning a language, I am pretty sure that I'd be a completely different person nowadays. And I will have, well, I would have had a lot of where I wouldn't have had many of the experiences that I've had in in life. So it's crazy how he opened like it opens so many doors in life right
2: so many doors man i mean if you hadn't decided to learn or really start learning and then stick with english all these years we wouldn't be talking right now (sighs) you wouldn't have gone you probably wouldn't have gotten that job and then gone to argentina and uruguay and had those i mean who the fuck knows where you'd be right now and i can say the same for myself bro it's like affects your life in so many different ways Opens so many doors and then i think when you finally, I think this is probably for me at least, when you finally leave the country and you're actually doing, we were talking about this before we started the recording. It's like, bro, in 2023, you know what I did to prepare for this trip? For before, like maybe two months before I knew I was coming here, I was really trying to be intentional about practicing my Spanish because I knew I had started, I was forgetting a lot of it, you know, but it was just basic stuff listening to podcasts, talking to myself, trying to find people to talk to online, and writing in my journal every day. Simple shit and then all i had to do after that book an airbnb buy a plane ticket get on the plane and fucking come here that was it that was it bro that was it there's nothing else i had to do obviously you need a valid passport you need to know if you need visas or whatever we, i didn't need a visa to come here that was fucking it all because back in 20 i don't know 14 or 15 I decided to start learning Spanish. If I never would have done that, why? I mean, I would never even think, i had never thought seriously about even leaving my country before I started learning a foreign language. And I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people, which is so fucking sad. Cause once you actually leave and you see how yeah. relatively easy it is and how many doors open and how many more, I don't know how to say, maybe perspectives, lifestyles, just how many other people are out there. That you could connect with or learn about, how many other cultures, how much history that you can learn about and experience, and who knows where all that shit is gonna lead you. You don't even, that shit doesn't even enter your brain before you start learning a foreign language and and contact people from other countries. A lot of us, unfortunately, kind of just stick in our little shell, our little city, neighborhood, country, or whatever and never even think about what is out there like what's going on bro you know there's a whole fucking it sounds cheesy but it's real shit there's a whole world out there man and bro time passes faster than ever once you hit what i don't know 24 25 it's just poof, just back it just fucking flies right on by man so you nah, i don't know i'm just at a point where it's like man let's just try to of course be disciplined and take care of business you know, don't fucking go broke and be out here on the streets. But man, like experience as much as you can in life. Have a little bit of fun and never stop learning. Never stop learning. You stop learning, you stop growing and then you're fucking dead. You know what I mean? So that's what I learned from this experience. One of the things I learned from this experience. Absolutely, man. Yeah.
1: And, and speaking of that, man, things that you learned, um you've been in Brazil before for for three months. What would you say that you would do differently now Mm -hmm. that you're you're doing another trip for probably the same or or more amount of time what do you think that are some of the things that you will try to do differently now in in Colombia
2: I would say that's first of all it's a great question man I would say um Well, one thing I've already started doing and I'm going to be much more intentional about is being social, bro. When I was in Brazil, I had kind of like the crutch or the, the safety net of already having a few friends when I was there. So I already had a bit of a social circle and I had stuff to do and people to do it, you know, people to do it with and all that type of stuff. So it wasn't such a shock because I landed and I already found familiar faces and we can just have fun. But here, <laughs> I don't know practically. Well, I didn't. I didn't know practically anybody before I got here. And um, now I just know that the best way to learn, for me, the only way to learn how to really communicate like natives and get is get immersed in the culture. So I'm just every chance I get going out to social events, playing football when I can, and looking for other ways to just be around people and talk to people, make connections and shit like that. And it's funny because. Even though I, I mean, I speak enough Spanish to get by. I speak enough Portuguese to get by. My English is great. So I can communicate and I'm not necessarily insecure about that. But even still, after having gone years without communicating for real in Spanish and being outside of my comfort zone in a foreign country you kind of go back to zero a little bit and you get here and you're just like man what the fuck did i do bro <laughs> what did i just do i'm in the middle of fucking colombia bro nobody around me knows who i am speaks my language understands my culture and you just got to fucking make it work but i knew the first week i felt myself just being kind of comfortable chilling in the apartment i'm working i'm making content i'm watching stuff on tv listening to music podcasts whatever And I was like, nah, bro, I can't just fucking sit in this apartment. I got to go outside. And I'm a relatively introverted dude. I like being at home. It's comfortable. It's fucking great being at home. (laughs) But I know that I can be at home anytime. So that's one thing I would change is being much more social and going out much more intentionally and frequently. I would also say thinking about my trip to Brazil. I guess I'd also say be a little bit more, uh, this kind of goes hand in hand with what I just said, but trying to be a bit more like immersed in the cultural aspect of life in that country. Because I experienced Brazilian culture and everything, but not so much. And maybe it's a cliche experience I'll never have. But when I was in Brazil, I just tried my best to live like a local. But when you think about the life of a local, it's not like fucking... Carnaval every weekend, you know what I'm saying? And caipirinha (laughs) and feijoada every day. So I guess I can only expect so much in terms of a cultural experience. I'm satisfied with my experience there. But I guess just not even just the food and the events, but maybe reading more about the history of the country and understanding why people behave the way they do. Because that's one thing that I've noticed since I got here is like, man, just coming from where I came from, which is a small city of like 4,000 people, here's like eight or nine. Just some of the people, man, are just fucking ugh, just on edge, man, all the time. Cause, and I'm in the center too. So it's just chaos. And it's just like watching how can I describe this? I want to say this in a way that doesn't sound rude, cause I don't mean to be rude, but it's like watching fucking animals, bro. It's like watching. <laughs> everybody is just with blinders on and it's all about me i don't give a fuck about nothing or nobody else nobody cares about me my government doesn't care my family doesn't care whatever everybody's just fucking make a dollar go home leave home make a dollar go home get the fuck out of my way don't look at me don't talk to me nothing you know and i guess if you're a little more sensitive and you're not a little you're not open-minded enough you might take it personally think all oh, these people are racist these people hate me. They, it's because of my Spanish. No, bro, no. they have having a whole entire life and country and culture before you arrived here. And so what I'm trying to say is maybe spend more time studying that type of stuff so that when I arrive or even after I get there, I have better, more fluid interactions because at least I understand the people, even if we behave or talk differently, you know? So I guess yeah. off the top of the head, those are two things I do, but I never thought about it, man. It's a good question.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I think that also uh, varies a lot depending on where you are mm-hmm. in the country. Just like in Sao Paulo, if you're in Sao Paulo in the middle of like Paulista or any metro station or anything like that, chaos. you can have a completely different experience than like if you go to, I don't know, Fortaleza, for example.
2: Itañaín, for example. Right.
1: exactly. You can have like two different ideas about Brazil. 100%. And those two different places. So it's a good thing they're also going to visit other places in Colombia, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. I want to go to the three major cities at least while I'm here. Bogotá, Medellín, and Cali. So I think it'll be... A lot of people told me not to come here <laughs> because they said that, you know, the people are not necessarily... The friendliest. But to be honest, man, I think I've met, like we talked about before, all kinds of people since I've been here in just one week. I mean, my hosts are some of the coolest, friendliest, warmest, most welcoming people I've ever met. I came to the Airbnb, had a bottle of chilled rosé waiting for me, bro, just like as a housewarming gift. Sat and talked with me for like an hour or something like that. The internet wasn't installed, so they left one of their cell phones here just so I could use the hotspot for Wi-Fi because they know I work oh, from home. Wow. I mean, shit like that, bro. You know what I mean? That, like Damn. that is like real hospitality. And so, and then took me around, bro, like for a two-hour walk around this entire zone showing me where things are, how to get from place to place and what I need and blah, blah, blah. Like they didn't have to wow. do that. I didn't even ask. They were just like, we just want you to feel at home. You know what I mean? They're born and raised in this city. So not everybody Is an asshole. Clearly, I think that's the point. Is I'm glad that I got the chance to come here and see for myself because people said the same thing about São Paulo and like the Northeast, for example. People said, "Oh, people from the Southeast are cold and rigid and rude and aggressive and blah blah." I got treated better in São Paulo than I got treated in Salvador, Bahia. You know what I mean? So stereotypes are stereotypes, bro. You still have to go and see for yourself, and even your individual experience, even if you're there for a month, still cannot. Be a blanket statement that you put on the entire population of that place that was your experience you know what i mean and we talked about this before sometimes we have the habit of like saying these people are this way or those people are that way we've never even been around those fucking people we just heard shit about those people yeah. and so we just repeat it because it makes us sound smart but i think if you can get the chance to go there experience it for yourself man there's no better education or experience that you can give yourself right absolutely
1: yeah yeah I mean I I think you can hear that about every country right like I'm sure you heard that about Brazil and even like I was talking to a girl from America these days and I was I was talking to her about my uh, my goal to visit America in a few years and she was like why America like why do, you, why do you want to come here? And she was acting like he was the most like trivial country in the world. and like she didn't like it, and it's in my experience, it, it's hard to find Americans that complain about their country or that want to leave their country. And I was like, even America that has this stereotype to be like one of the greatest countries in the world, there is people that will tell you, don't come here, you're not you're not going to like it so you can't let that decide uh the places you're going to visit or the places you're not going to visit cuz i'm sure even like brazil is very very famous for like oh you're going to be you're going to get robbed or something like that <laughs> especially coming from brazilians i would say especially, especially coming from
2: locals coming like, from you're going to get
1: robbed don't come here <laughs> and if i asked you like You've come to Brazil. You've spent like three months here. You've been in two different states. How many times did you get robbed?
2: Fucking goose egg. Zero, bro. I mean, I can't remember. The only time I even felt that I was in danger... And I wasn't even really in danger. The only time I ever felt slightly nervous was the first night I arrived in Salvador. I think I told you that story when we left the apartment to go get cigarettes. And then I had to come oh. back... <laughs> to the apartment i got lost on the way there it was probably like one o'clock in the morning bro and i had no idea where i was and all i could think about was all the stories i had been told by who by brazilians about what was going to happen to me if i was in the street at that time of fucking night bro and nothing happened you know what i'm saying i came across a dude who was kind of an asshole wasn't really trying to help me out but that was the worst that happened my entire time there so i think that specific example, it's like, bro, just don't be a dumbass and you'll usually be okay in most places. And another thing, like you said, is locals will typically exaggerate things for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but they'll say, oh, they're going to rob you. It's too dangerous. Don't come here, blah, blah, blah. Somebody told me about that. I told him I want to go to Cali to learn how to dance salsa because the, the salsa culture is really strong there. Every single person I mentioned that city to, oh, no, it's way too dangerous, man. You're going to get robbed, blah, blah. And I thought about it for a couple of weeks. And at one point I just found myself thinking, so let me get this straight. You mean to tell me the two, three, four million people in that city never leave the house? If it's, I mean, if they can go on about their lives every single day, I'm pretty sure I could too. I understand what they're saying. Be careful. But to like put it in such a way where no, everything here is bad and dangerous. Don't come. You're going to get robbed. It's like, when's the last time you got robbed, bro? oh never what the fuck are you saying dog (laughs) so sometimes people just talk just because they want to have something to say even without having had the actual experience so that's with everything in life man go find out for yourself
1: absolutely man absolutely i guess a lot of people have uh for some reason some type of like hatred involved (laughs) in their like uh idea Mm -hmm. of the place that they live Mm -hmm. i know i guess i know the reason for a lot of people in brazil and then they want to talk about it so that it makes a bad reputation for for their country and like trying to convince you that it's not a good place to visit but because they're so like uh, disappointed with the country that they don't want to be there so exactly. they don't want you to go there so in brazil i kind of i can kind of see where they come from
2: me too <laughs> i mean
1: me too. I, i've never been robbed and i've i've told people that before like yeah sao paulo is really is really dangerous but i've never been robbed here yeah. so if you ask me like what do you what do you say that there, there's really no reason for you to advertise that so i guess it just gets in the habit of like i hate living here so i'm gonna tell everybody not to come here yeah
2: i never thought about it that way but i think you're 100 percent right i also think that part of it which is something i'm sure you're very familiar with which in english is the inferiority complex i guess you could say that in portuguese too but in portuguese it's complex would you be that? absolutely I'm sure you yeah. know all about it for, can you for anybody listening can you explain to them what is the inferiority complex? How would you describe it?
1: Well, from a Brazilian perspective, yeah. is like what we call complexo de lata, Or what's the translation to that in English? The I mean, underdog complexity or something like that? Yeah, maybe
2: the underdog trans- complex. That's probably the best direct translation. The yeah.
1: underdog complex, probably.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah, uh, the the concept of it is pretty much seeing other countries and other places and other scenarios as much much better than the one you live in a lot of times with not really uh, uh, solid reasons just because a lot of people tell you that like I'm sure that from out of ten Brazilians that you talk to, probably eight or nine would say that Brazil and Bosta.
2: Nine and a half.
1: Brazil is <laughs> shitty, man.
2: Hell yeah, man! It's, Brazil is <laughs> shitty, and I want to leave as soon as possible. It's the,
1: it's the world. It's the worst country ever. Yeah. So yeah, basically just just feeling in fear from. Anybody that lives outside of your your country. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny because a lot of people would compare Brazil to other countries as being, like, better than Brazil. Mm-hmm. But when you ask them, like, why do you think this place is better than Brazil? They don't have any fucking argument, man. They would just, yeah, yeah, because it's better because Brazil is, is a shitty country and mm-hmm. that's it and they're just repeating everything that everybody else is saying, because we have this, uh, I, I don't know, man, I guess it be, it, it become, it became a habit to say that the country is shitty in Brazil and everybody just says that. And for, for the most part, I would, I, I would say this for the most part that comes from the people that are, how can I say this in English? Um, Like low to media social class.
3: Because those people, I guess. Yeah, let me say this better. For
1: people that have a good condition in Brazil. It's a lot less common to see them complain about Brazil. And a lot of people say that if you have money in Brazil, it's a great country. You're not going to have any problems but for people that like are taking the buses every day, taking those metro lines and public transportation and then having that minimum wage and then having that labor work and things like that, for them the answer will be always the same. Like yeah, Brazil yeah, is shitty. I'm working a lot and I'm, I'm not getting a dime and things like that. And all of that kind of makes the underdog complex Stronger mm-hmm. because you look at other countries and you see America, for example. A lot of people compare the the price that you pay for like a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if I if I was in America, I would work two days and I would get the most recent iPhone. Mm-hmm. In Brazil, I would have to work the entire year to get that. And those economical differences make people feel inferior Mm. like because out there they live better than me or they have better or more opportunities I am inferior with that some people have like a sense in that you can see where they're coming from for a lot of people it's just plain Brazil is shitty (laughs) and that's it you ask them why Brazil Brazil is shitty (laughs) and and, and they say oh the 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 economic part of the country is in a pretty bad place why do you think that is just just tell me one uh uh, aspect of the economics in brazil that you don't like i don't know the taxes are too bad they they just give like (laughs) some like the most random answer possible yeah but uh something that i was that i was thinking about a lot is um after hearing this girl from America saying like, don't come to this country, you're not not going to have a good experience or whatever, I was thinking about does the underdog complex is primarily attached to countries that have a very bad economic situation and that have mostly low social class people Mm -hmm. or is it more attached to like just not being comfortable in your country whatever because we we have this idea in Brazil that Americans have a lot of pride in being American and they they love living in America they're super patriots and things like that and that kind of makes me wonder like does the underdog thing has to do with like The the economic situation and then, like, having a shitty job? Because I'm sure that there's people in America that has shitty jobs, get minimum wage, and they're like, I'm not getting shit in this country. I want to get out of here. So is this more about, like, you being in a comfort zone and then you have a shitty life and because of that, you say that your country is shitty? Or think this is more about like an economical thing that you really can't do nothing about?
2: To be honest with you, man, I think it's... Well, if those things are included, they're only part of the equation. I think that the inferiority complex is not something that is unique to just Brazilians or Americans. I think you'll find it anywhere there are people because it's a psychological issue. It's not an economic issue. It's not a issue of nationality or anything like that, because you find the same mentality, the same remarks, the same illogical arguments. Even if you just look at poor people and rich people, within any country, you find the inferiority complex where you have somebody who thinks of themselves as inferior and they look up and they say, fuck those people who I see is better than me. They don't know what it's like to be me. They don't know what it's like to struggle. They don't know this, they don't know that. It's a psychological problem. They've never even met a rich man or woman, but they have all these ideas because they've just blown them up in their mind to be this thing, and they've put them on a pedestal, and they believe, oh, I'm never going to get there, and since I can't get up there, fuck them. I'm going to try to bring them down here. That's what a small, weak, inferior, insecure individual will try to do, and it has nothing to do with being Brazilian or American or Japanese or whatever. You will find that everywhere, even on a football team, There might be somebody or a few people who are superstars and then these bitch ass niggas over here who feel inferior and they just want to lash out and attack. And they hold so much envy and jealousy and hatred in their hearts because they believe that they themselves are inferior and they'll never be that. It has nothing to do with the person or thing they see as inferior. It's all internal. They hate themselves. They're mad at themselves. They hate the situation that they're in. They want to curse their parents for even having had them and put them in this situation. And of course, I'm generalizing. I'm making very general statements. It depends on the individual. But to answer your question, I don't think it's just about economics or nationality. I think that's a universal human, I don't know if I can call it a defect, but a feature of human nature. I really think it is. The The sensation that you are inferior affects everyone differently. And for some people, it's motivation to get out there and work harder, make more money, be a better person, learn more skills and all that type of stuff, they want to get better. They say, oh, no, I'm inferior, but I, I can get there one day. And they work towards that. Other people feel that sense of inferiority, inferiority or insecurity, and they try to go into defense mode, and everybody around them is the fucking enemy, and they'll fucking lash out at anybody who seems superior. That's why, like, bro, I think I tweeted this once. Haters don't hate on fucking losers, bro. Haters hate on winners. You understand what I'm saying? It's only people that they see as better or superior that they want to attack and say, fuck you, you don't get it, you don't understand, blah, blah, blah. Anybody on their level, it's like, well, you're a piece of shit like me. I don't care about you. I have nothing to hate on. So it's all internal, bro. It's fucking problems in here, in the brain. It has nothing to do with anything else. And that's not to say that people aren't born into some shitty situations. I thought I knew what poverty was. Then I left the United States of America. I saw a different level of poverty. In Mexico, in Brazil, now in Colombia. I understand some people are born into shit. But I don't think it's just that that determines whether or not you're going to suffer from some inferiority complex. I think whether you're rich, poor, black, white, gay, straight, man, woman, whatever, you anybody's susceptible to whatever you want. It's a disease, defect, disorder, I don't fucking know. That just poor habit of thinking, anybody can fall into that. What do you think?
1: Oh, wow! yeah, yeah, that makes sense, man not, not, Now that you say it that way, it, it makes complete sense because you 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 get a lot of people that, because of the uh economical situation, they will like look up to an American and England or people from countries that are in better situations and look up to them as like better people. And it's like they have better economics, they're in a much better place financially, they have better opportunities, yeah, but they're not better people per se. Like they're not superior to you. Exactly. And uh it it goes to show when you when you um when you when you talk to Brazilians and like I, I have mentioned before, like, oh I have I have an American friend that Lives in the U.S. He visited my house once, and people are like, "Oh," and and describe to me how Americans are like they're they're, they're pretty intelligent, I'm like they're they're on a different <laughs> level, right? And I'm like, "There are people like us, you know." <laughs> like really? there's no there's no big deal about them. So a lot of people have this this idea of like inferiority and just feeling inferior for some reason.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But do you think that partial let's I mean if we just focus on like Latin America and I don't know if you can call it Anglo North America and South America, let's just leave it at that. Do you think that partially the reason people have such uh let's I don't know if I can call them distorted visions, but people have such concrete ideas of what the outside world is like, mainly America and Europe, maybe Canada as well, just because maybe they're all consuming so much content from the United States. Because I've always got that impression. People have such... They've never been to the U.S., never even spoken to an American, but they know everything about the United States because they're watching American movies, listening to American podcasts and music. All their favorite celebrities are from the United States. So they have this sensation of, I know what the U.S. is like because I'm constantly watching content from the U.S. And I just get the impression that maybe people can't distinguish... Movies, music, entertainment from the other 330 million people <laughs> that live in the United States of America. Other people confuse the United States government with the people of the United States. So if the United States government starts a war or robs a country for whatever, does anything horrific overseas, they think Americans are like that when the government is a very tiny. Group of people making these decisions backed by very rich and powerful corporations. They do not represent the people, bro. So I think a lot of times people get these distorted visions of people in general, not just Americans, because they're consuming so much media and they're not stopping to process it and separate what they see and hear from what is real. You know what I mean? And thinking about it from the flip side, I think maybe the reason that a lot of Americans don't necessarily feel that sense of inferiority because a lot of Americans don't even think about life outside of our borders. Oh, yeah. Bro, I swear to God, there are people in my country, they hear you speak Spanish, automatically you are Mexican, bro. Nothing below (laughs) Mexico exists in their mind. You understand what I'm saying? They just don't have the exposure or the education. They don't. And so when you think about, if you tell somebody, like, man, yeah, stuff here, the infrastructure and everything is great in the U.S., but you could be living twice as good for half the money in many other countries, that idea doesn't even enter their brains. Doesn't even enter their brains. Or did you know that Brazilians don't speak Spanish? Did you know the history of, I mean, simple stuff for you and me, for other people is like so foreign. It's so foreign. So on the U.S. front, I think maybe we just don't have much exposure to anything outside. And for a lot of people outside, they have a lot of exposure to a certain kind of thing in the U.S. And so for that reason, they're Their vision is just so distorted. So I started by asking you a question. Let me return to that. Do you think maybe this is part of the reason that people have such strong ideas about the U.S. and American people? And a lot of times they get this sense of inferiority because what they see on the screen is just the American dream, the cars and the houses and the job and the dog and the family. When in reality, like, people in the U.S. struggle and fight and work 50, 60 hours a week just to barely pay bills, just like everybody else, bro. So certain things are better, but life is life no matter where you go. So I guess oh, I'll just bring man. it back by asking what do you think about all of that? What do you think?
1: Man, that's a great question, man. And I, I never thought about it that way because I know there's a lot of resilience to have this illusion of, like, the American dream and you hear so many Brazilians say stuff like, "Oh, it's it's so much better to be, or like, to work in construction in the U.S. than to be a doctor in Brazil." <laughs>
3: like, Come on, man. <laughs> yeah.
2: Come on. That's
1: man. yeah. That's a very oh. popular opinion in Brazil. Like the lifestyle that you get as a, a, a construction worker mm-hmm. in the U.S. is so much better. Than to be working in your suit in yeah, Brazil as a be. lawyer or a doctor or anything like that, and then there is a there is a video on YouTube that I was that I was watching about this guy that lives in the U.S. and he was visiting the the Apple Store, mm-hmm. iPlace or something like that, and he was showing like the differences between the prices in America versus Brazil. And he was like, yeah, so this iPhone 14, I had to work two days in my construction job to be able to get this. And you guys in Brazil, if you have like five times the minimum wage in Brazil, you're going to struggle to buy this. And I, with only two days of work, I was able to get this. And I work in construction. I work at a job that no Americans wants to do. So I get minimum wage. And I'm able to have a life with this salary. And then I was, I was looking at the comments and this guy was saying, that's an illusion because I lived in the U.S. and yeah, you can get the iPhone, iPhone 14 for, I don't know,
2: a thousand bucks, a
1: thousand bucks. But do you know how much it is for you to get like house, like rent, like food and stuff like that? Yeah, come to America, have your mm-hmm. iPhone, and then live on the street.
2: You know? <laughs> Straight up, bro. Straight up.
1: <laughs> like, some things are easier. You get less taxes or some things, like buying cars and electronics and things like that. But other things are just as or even more expensive than in Brazil. I mean, I know some places in America are one of the most expensive places to live in the world. Yep. So if you're saying that you're gonna live the American dream, working in construction, and you're gonna be better off than like a doctor in Brazil? Like,
2: Fuck out of here, yeah, bro! Go get your iPhone. And Good luck. Let's, you know let's, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. That's, that's such a be. <laughs> bro. That is such a um. What is it? It's such a common misconception, right? The whole American dream thing in general. Because first of all, bro, the American dream is the human dream. Everybody wants. A safe place to live. Motor transportation. A beautiful family. Decent career. Food on the table. Nice clothes that you can put on. A vacation every once in a while. What human being doesn't want that? You know what I'm saying? I guess what a lot of people don't understand is that the UK and certainly the the United States of America, we are fucking fantastic at branding and marketing. So we can sell a dream better than anybody else I've seen so far. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people have just bought that dream of finally leaving what they know as their shitty country and coming to the paradise that is the U.S. And then they get here and they're like, oh, damn, I didn't finish college. Oh, damn, I don't have any friends here or any family, no connections, no opportunities. I'm just going to figure it out. And then I'm working basic jobs like the rest of the uneducated Americans, 50, 60 hours a week just to pay the bills. And then I need Either pay for the bus or Uber, that's costing me an arm and a leg, or for my fucking car note every month, plus insurance, because it's illegal to drive without insurance, and then don't mention healthcare, and if you're working at an hourly job, you have no fucking real healthcare, how are you going to pay for that? If anything goes wrong, anything goes wrong, how the fuck are you going to pay for it, bro? I mean, there's just so many things that a lot of people don't take into consideration, and I'm not saying that life in the US isn't great, I'm just saying It's a lot more expensive than a lot of people realize. And not only just the money part, but leaving your country, going somewhere else and knowing fucking nobody, barely speaking the language, being by yourself all the time in a country where nobody knows your name, speaks your language, or gives a fuck about you. I think a lot of people I've talked to a lot of people who don't really consider that before coming, and they're like, God damn, I miss my country now. I mean, the infrastructure's better. I definitely feel safer. But at the same time, I'm missing a lot of crucial shit now, like loving friends and family, a language that's familiar, free healthcare. I mean, like so there's always trade-offs. It depends on every yeah. individual. I think sometimes you go to a better place or a worse place, but it's never all good or all bad. There's always trade-offs no matter where you go.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah, something that I always mention to to Brazilians like talking about Americans that they always get really impressed by is the average of, like, the, the the people or range of people between, like, 25, like, 19 to 26, I think that's it. The average of those people that have, like, really, really deep death because of their college oh, loans. Man. In the U.S., I can't remember the exact percentage, but it's super, super high. Yeah, man. People are like, man, and we have, like, free college in Brazil, like, good education for free. And I just, one little thing that I mentioned to people to kind of let them know that it's really not that perfect country that a lot of people think about. And that doesn't really exist, like, anything, like, a perfect country Mm -hmm. or a country that has no negative sides or negative aspects and a lot of people still have that illusion and it's it's sad that a lot of people have to actually make that plan to get out of their job in Brazil, go to the US, even take their family sometimes, like their yeah. their their wife and their kids it takes them an actual trip to get to the US and realize that it's not it's not really that dream that a lot of people sold you to be. And man I think it definitely it definitely has some some sense in uh what people say, oh you don't have the same opportunities in Brazil compared to America or any other country but it really gets down to like well in my opinion and my experience it really gets down to like how much willing you are to make stuff happen and to get out of that shitty life or to get out of that situation because man to me if I realize that yeah I have to work 10 times as hard as in America, in in, America, in my situation, be human. Just let's do it. Let's do what it takes to make any progress in life. So one day I can be in a situation where I'm better off or I don't need to work as hard or I'm past that difficult stage in my life. But a lot of people just want to do like the easier route and, oh, I want to go to a country that will offer me. <laughs> Better opportunities and a country that will take my hand and take me from like poor, broken to like now you're rich living in America, you know. And that doesn't exist, man. A lot of people are selling that dream. And what 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 makes me so impressed, man, is that a lot of Brazilians are like, um, kind of selling that dream as well mm-hmm. as after- to living in the U.S. or spending some time in the U.S. of like, yeah, I I used to live in Brazil and I was broke. I was living a shitty life. And I'm here, look at my car, look at my house. And what's funny about them man, is that when people do that, you would see them uh, kind of like showing off something like an iPhone 14. And then like, car like uh let's think of an example like the the honda civic of Mm -hmm. the year something Mm -hmm. like that and they're like yeah look at my situation but when you look at it it's like you went from being poor in brazil to being poor in america but from america brazilians look at you and they're like, oh, you're having a great life. But when you go on the street, it's like you're in, you're in Brazil and you're you're driving like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I, I don't know if you have an idea of what car it is. But like a Corsa, which is like a very, very, uh, uh, uh yeah, like.
2: Like a high end car?
1: No, like a low end car. Oh, actually.
2: low end. OK, OK.
1: Yeah. And then. People will be like, yeah, I want to get, like, a Civic one day. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, like, the high-end car in Brazil. And that's the type of car that kind of makes you look rich Mm. when you drive a car like that. And then you go to America, (laughs) and you're driving a Civic, and you're like, oh, I want to drive, like, a Ferrari one day or a Porsche or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you're still poor. You're just in a different perspective from another country, if that that makes any sense. 100%. So you keep having the same status or or social class. You're just in a different country. You know?
2: And Brazil like to
1: show that off for people that don't have that, that don't understand that, you know.
2: It's so true, man. And I think at the end, although money is involved, like true poverty, especially with this example, it's like it's a mental thing because like you just said, you you went from poor in your country where everything made sense to now poor most likely alone most likely in debt just <laughs> because you want to what like fucking stunt on Instagram and TikTok and shit, bro. Nah, nah. But they never tell you is how much money they're actually spending or where the money's coming from because it might not even be theirs. You know what I'm saying? So the like, I've I mean. Even me, because Google thinks I speak, they they must think I'm a Latino because they show me ads in Spanish and Portuguese all the time. And so even me on English fucking YouTube, I'll see ads to this this one lady I see all the time. She has to be Brazilian because her accent and she's speaking in Portuguese and trying to talk directly to all the people in Brazil that you just mentioned or described. And she's saying, yeah, I know what it's like to be where you are and what you're struggling with. And You got to wake up every day at five in the morning and go through life struggling, blah, blah, blah. But you can come to the United States and I'll teach you how to invest in property and da da da, and you'll become rich. I'm like, bro. It's one thing for somebody like me to go around like scamming motherfuckers from other countries who don't understand how stuff works here. You have somebody from your country. Most of the time, it's people from your country who will come here and figure out more or less how shit works and then try to scam everybody where they came from. You got a Brazilian lady trying to fucking scam other Brazilians selling them this bullshit American dream. Every time I see shit like that, my blood boils a little bit. I'm like, man, fucking people, bro. Because you know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Once you've woken up a little bit and you've seen behind the curtain, you know exactly what she's doing and why she's doing it. Because there's some poor fucking bastard who's just somewhere in the northeast of Brazil, dirt poor, but has Wi-Fi and a cell phone and sees that shit and it's just compelling enough for him to take some kind of action. What he doesn't know is that that fucking lady's not his friend. She is not trying to make him any motherfucking money. So anyway, going back to what you were saying, I think it's a really common misconception that people have. Of course, certain things are better. Like security, for example. This country is much safer, relatively speaking. Um, The infrastructure is much better, relatively speaking. But if you got to still work 50, 60 hours a week, at an hourly job, you have no friends, no family, no network, no nothing. You don't even leave the house to practice English. Is it really worth it? I don't know if it is or not. Everybody has to decide. But I've always had that question Any, anytime people talk to me about the American dream. You know what I mean? Is it really worth it? Do you really think all Americans live like that? Because trust me, bro, they fucking don't. They don't. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know. It's different for everybody. But that shit, man, the American dream, it's like, bro, let that shit go, man. It's not, it's not real. It's a marketing campaign. Nothing more. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Some people don't even know that in America, you guys have poor people as well, just like in (laughs) every other place in the world, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. But I will say that one thing that I don't remember who said this, I think it was a comedian or something like public speaker. What I will say is, yes, we definitely have poor people, people going through some really tough circumstances. But what I notice about my country is that even the poor people are fat. I can't remember who said that. But when he said oh, wow. that, I had to stop and really think about it for a second. I was like, yeah, because there are some people living in some really rough conditions. I mean, by American standards, real fucking poverty, but even they are getting enough to be overweight. You know what I'm saying? So I can understand the other side of the table when they say, no, you don't get it. Life in America, no matter what it costs, it's still better than what I had back home. I get that completely. I'm just saying a lot of people are not living in the fucking dirt. They're not, you know, one of these people out here suffering. A lot of people who say Brazil is fucking trash, Colombia is trash, Mexico is trash. Bro, they're living at home with their parents and everything's good. They got iPhones and shit. Talking about, you know what I'm saying? Talking about how their life and country is so fucking terrible. As if corruption only exists in their country. Poverty and violence and only exists in their country. Like, bro, grow the fuck up, dog. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: I yeah. I maybe, like, a more uh, uh, realistic way of saying it is, like, it's definitely better to be poor in America than in Brazil.
2: 1,000%. 1,000%, sure. yeah.
1: Like, you'll have better conditions. Yeah. I would even say that you have better uh, condition to get out of that shitty situation in America than in Brazil. That's for sure. But to say that every single thing about that country is like shitty and then in America like it's the whole dream country like I can't really think that. I mean just like it's
3: not uh, that, that's
1: one thing as well like I was I was thinking about that lately when you told me about the trip and everything, do you you feel like the fact that you're going to countries where you have a little bit more, I would say, power, financially speaking, because there's that whole uh, currency exchange and everything, Do you feel like the idea of like living in those places and then making money in those places in dollar and then spending that money (laughs) in those places where you definitely spend less and then using that as a way to save money would be like a good investment style? Because I was thinking about that. Like if if I lived... In America, and I could find a way to get money in American dollar living in another country that the currency exchange is a lot cheaper man, that would be my life for the rest
3: <laughs> of my life <laughs>
1: like you can get it, you you get to see your money uh uh, uh having a lot more value mm-hmm. than you would. In your home country. Is that something that ever crossed your mind or an opportunity that you thought about before?
2: 1000%. Hell yeah, man. I think if you have the opportunity to take advantage of the currency exchange rates between your home country and some country you know you want to visit and spend an extended period of time in, absolutely. Like I said probably earlier in this conversation, there are some places in this world, if you earn in dollars, And you go overseas, you're working online, you could probably live twice as good for almost half the price in quite a few places, bro. And be I mean, your quality of life will be just just fine. The same if not better, be paying a lot less money and you can take all that money you saved and put it into something. Whatever you want. Some people don't like to invest, they just want more money to have fun, enjoy life. You might want to buy property, start a business, whatever you can do. But more money means more options so if you can pack up and just fucking go save money have fun learn and grow as a person why the fuck would you not do that (laughs) you know I guess for some people it's a scary idea but I know for people like you and me it's like how could you not you imagine looking back at 90 being like I should have gone I should have tried I should have just seen if it was pop man fuck that bro as an American born and raised in the states I can guarantee you nothing there's nothing in that country that's waiting for me that would make me say nah I gotta get back to my country Jesus Christ I miss home bro 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 come on bro I mean you know like outside of the podcast or whatever you know my life personally there's not I mean like it'll always be there bro it's not fucking going anywhere so now that I have the chance to just do what I'm doing now it's like bro why not and I think a lot of more Americans in general, I think Europeans as well, anybody earning dollars, pounds or euros, they're really starting to understand, especially after the pandemic, the value, the power, the privilege of the digital nomad lifestyle to just be able to have everything in a backpack, and a suitcase. You got your computer, maybe some recording equipment to make content and you can just buy a ticket and fucking go. Bro. That is insanity. So I wake up and I fucking pinch myself. Like, where am I right now, bro? This is crazy. And so I think a lot more people are understanding there's huge value to that, being able to live a great life, save and or invest that money, be outside of your home country. It's a different experience. It's like priceless, bro. If you can do it, don't think twice. You know? Absolutely, man. Yeah, man. It,
1: especially if you can find a way to like have money work for you in your home country
2: absolutely while
1: you're traveling. And... Like say something like a real estate or like renting a house or something like that. Because yep. imagine if like you 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 have the opportunity to like have enough money to like buy a property in the US and then you rent that house and then you're traveling the whole world while that house makes its own money. Yep. So it's a lot about just having the right mindset to invest and then having that courage as well to be away from home because hmm. like we talked about before, not everything is going to be like flowers and oh, it's all so beautiful.
3: Yeah.
1: But man, the amount of doors that you have to, to work through and to, to to make progress is like huge.
2: Yeah, and it's not supposed to be easy either, I think. I think stepping outside of your comfort zone, going to a foreign country, learning a foreign language, learning how things work and everything, it's supposed to be difficult, bro. I mean, that's like part of what makes it interesting and meaningful meaningful for you at the end of the day. And I think um it's much better than just sitting in your home country, your home state, your home city, the same house your entire life. I mean, I'm sure that's great. I don't know what that's like, so I can't really speak about it. But when I compare the two it's like, you can always go back home, bro. I mean, just try not to fuck up too much. You should probably have enough to get back home and go back to wherever you came from. So if you can go out for a month or six or nine or 12 or whatever, fucking do it. I mean, it's not for everybody, but you can definitely do it. The host, I mean, the owner of this apartment that I'm renting lives in Spain. His brother wow. and his mother, who still live here, just kind of manage the operation, clean it whenever somebody leaves. Who the fuck is in Spain, bro? just chilling you know what i'm saying they got two properties so far and they're looking to get more so i mean it's a beautiful 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 business i think obviously it comes with problems and headaches and shit like that like any business but what the example you gave bro saving up enough to actually invest correctly and then build that like short-term or even long-term rental business That sounds beautiful to me, my friend. I'm not going to lie to you. That sounds fucking beautiful, man. So, And going back to what you said a second ago, I think in the U.S., I don't know about other countries, that's one thing that's very unique. Is in the U.S., it's easier to get yourself out of poverty than many, many, many other places. Or even if you're not in poverty, just start your own business and run it by yourself. America promotes that type of stuff. They want you to start businesses and buy property and rent out your homes and apartments and shit. Cause that's better for everybody. It's better for everybody. So people can talk shit about capitalism, but it's kind of the reason that everybody wants to move to the U.S. I don't say that arrogantly.
3: Yeah,
2: I'm just talking about facts. You know what I'm saying? And that's one thing I really admire about the U.S. is just the opportunities that are there. Not for everyone, obviously, but much more there than many other countries around the world. I mean, even just the idea of starting a business for most people they already are afraid they're losing money just by thinking about it. You know what I mean? It's just so much harder. So I can understand for sure from that perspective why people want to go to the U.S. But man, with the internet and AI, I think now more than ever, we're going to see a lot more people who don't have to come here to start and run their own operations and be able to live and work anywhere. I really hope that's the case, that we see more digital nomads. Yeah, man.
1: Absolutely. And even like people being able to earn in dollar. And Brazil, exactly. working for American exactly. companies. Yeah. So, yeah, the opportunities are always available, man. You just have to go and, one, prepare for it and then look for it, for sure. But, uh, yeah, man, to me, it, it's just crazy that you're uh, able to have that experience. Because me now, I just can't wait to do it again. <laughs> To be able to travel, man. Because I, I got the
2: travel bug.
1: <laughs> exactly, man, bro. Like when I when I came back, like I, I guess the first the first week, I would say I was like, oh man, it feels good to be back. Mm-hmm. Like speak my my own language and stuff. But man, you just get this urge to like do it again. You know, especially yeah, when you know that it's not really that hard yeah, bro. and it's not really that big of a deal. I was like, man, I gotta I gotta do it again soon.
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: And it was funny, man, because to me, uh, going from like not having a passport to like now you're going to two different countries in the world. It was such a crazy experience, man. And I just went to, do it again soon, man. I wanna, I wanna do it in the US one day for sure, mm-hmm. and hopefully can do it through my company. I know that now we're mostly focused on uh, like Latin American countries, and that's how I was able to uh, go to these countries. But man, if I can make it to the US one day, bro,
2: <laughs>
1: man, hey, you already I, got a
2: spot bro. waiting for you, bro, one hundred percent,
1: bro. So, so excited for that, man. You're um. I always forget like the place that you're that you're living at in, in America. Is it a uh, Atlanta something? Yeah,
2: like that? Al- well, a small city close to Atlanta. Exactly. exactly. Oh, oh yeah,
1: Georgia, right? Yeah. Uh
2: huh. Oh Georgia, yeah, Georgia's yeah. the state. Awesome. Atlanta's the capital. I lived in a small city called McDonough. It's probably like thirty minutes from the capital, Atlanta.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Would Would you say that? Uh, because I I heard so many people say that like people that lived. In, in California or San Diego
3: mm-hmm.
1: say that those places are like a little bit overhyped <laughs> or overrated? Would you would you say that?
2: <laughs> yes, California is overrated. I'll start by saying that. But it's still the place I would prefer to live in the United States. If not for the cost of living, if not for the fucking horrific political situation and shit like that, then for me there's just there's no better place to live than California man the weather, the people, the food the weed, the infrastructure I mean like everything. it's just too expensive bro it's just way too expensive and then recently in the past Four or five years, politics has been getting like really fucking ugly. So it's not the best place to be, not the best place to raise a family. And I'm I'm speaking, I I've haven't lived in California since 2015, no, 17, 17. So I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like I haven't lived there in a long time, so I can't say for sure from experience, but from the people I know that have lived there, my brother used to, he just moved to Texas actually not too long ago. And just from what I've seen. Um, it's just not... I would If somebody were moving here, I wouldn't recommend California. Oh, wow. Go visit, for sure. Have a great time. But, I mean, even if you want to move there, how the fuck are you going to pay for it? You know what I mean? It's so expensive, bro. It's so expensive. So, getting oh, wow. back to your question, I think it's overrated just because of Hollywood, just because the entertainment industry, music and shit like that, people see LA like, wow, it's like Rio or something like that. Just this iconic... Fucking legendary place. And it's great. Fantastic. I would live there if I could. But you could live a fantastic life for half the cost. The entire southeastern region of the United States, you'll be just fine. Quality of life will be great. The nature around you will be different. The culture is different. But why waste all that money just to be in California? It's like if you don't have money to waste, don't move to California. That's what I would say. That's what I would say. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting because when we talk about like cost of living, mm-hmm. it's pretty much the same concept that we have uh, in, in Brazil regarding like places like Sao Paulo and then like the Northeast or exactly. any places like that are all of that uh, business center. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Almost contradictory because, yeah, you you spend a lot more in Sao Paulo. It's definitely more expensive, but you definitely earn a lot more as yeah. well. Would you say that it's the same in, in California? Like, 100%. the jobs offer you a lot more?
2: Yeah, 100%. I remember this was 2016. Minimum wage at the time in California was 12 bucks an hour. Minimum wage in Georgia at the time was like $7. You know what oh, I mean? So, but the cost of living in Georgia and California is completely different as well. So, I mean, the salaries and minimum wages and everything are usually always adjusted for the area. I think that's true wherever you go. But even still, I mean, even with the salary adjusted, minimum wage is still a minimum wage. It's not enough anywhere in any country. Minimum wage means less than enough to survive. That's what the translation should be. You know, so, yeah, yeah, the salaries are higher and like that. But I mean, gas is more expensive. Food is more expensive. healthcare, Jesus Christ. Renting a place. Bro, I remember I taught English to a guy back in 2014 or 15, something like that. A Brazilian guy. He moved to San Francisco with his girlfriend just because America's better than Brazil. He chose San Francisco because he heard Brazilians were there. When he got there, he learned the hard way. That he would have to be driving literally 12 hours a day, seven days a week for Uber to pay for his one bedroom apartment that was costing him $2,000 U.S. a month just for the apartment. Then you got electricity and gas and water, and your car note, and your car insurance, and gas for the car, and new tires every once in a while. What if the engine goes out? What if you or your girlfriend gets sick and got to go to the hospital? Who's paying for that shit? Forget about traveling anywhere. You got to go to work. The fuck is wrong with you? I mean, like, you have time for nothing but work, eat, shit, sleep. Maybe some intimate time with the girlfriend, but she was working too, bro. I mean, it's like ridiculously expensive. That was what? Almost 10 years ago. Imagine now. Wow, bro. That was somebody who gave away his whole life and just said, life over here is going to be better than he got there. And was like, oh shit. I fucked up. (laughs) Because he's like, yeah, you're living in a better place, but you're working 12 hours a day, seven days a week just to pay for it. So... Was oh, it worth man. it, bro? I don't know. Maybe it was for him, just not bro. worth it to me.
1: Yeah, I man. Like I remember when I was, yeah, uh, I had, I had my phase as well of like, oh, I want to, want to get out of Brazil. I yeah. want to just, uh, want to do construction over there, something like that. <laughs> Could you imagine, bro? <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, I remember uh, the the places where, uh, or the most recommended places for Brazilians were. I remember Connecticut, Mm -hmm. uh, Massachusetts, uh, Boston,
2: I think. Yeah, a lot of Brazilians. Uh,
1: Miami as well. Yeah, Florida in general. And all these places were like, oh, also, uh, what's it called? Like the uh, Osasco of New York, New York, I forgot.
2: Jersey, New Jersey.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jersey, yeah, yeah. A lot oh, of Brazilians basically. in Jersey as well. Yeah, And uh, a lot of those places were meant to be, like, uh, low cost of living. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you would get, like, those $12 an hour. And then mm-hmm. you would have, like, the greatest life that no doctor would have in Brazil. That was the dream. Right. That, that was selling back then. But then I came to realize, like... For me to be poor in America, like, yeah, like, <laughs> maybe I'll have a little bit, like, a car here and there, like an iPhone, like, I mean, like, the trade-off, I'm not, I'm not certain that it's, like, worth it.
2: Yeah, I mean, for some people, it certainly is. We can't deny that. But for, I think for a lot of people who are maybe just unsatisfied with their life, it's probably not worth it. You should probably just create a life you want to live where you are, because here it's it's just i mean moving to any country even if it's better is already a challenge absolutely you throw on top a foreign language a different culture no friends family or connections it's just it's going to be very hard bro it's going to be very hard so if you don't already have a great job for a great company that will transfer you and your family free of charge i don't know bro i don't know i guess we can't really Give any advice because we've never been in that situation, so it's hard for us to, I mean, but I guess from the outside looking in, I would say, man, just like at least go there, talk to some Americans, see what it's like, how much it costs. Would they like to be somewhere else? These are good (laughs) indicators that you should or shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? So I I don't know. That one's tough. But one thing that I wanted to ask you about was going back to... Something we mentioned about starting businesses or making dollars and living in Brazil or anywhere else in Latin America or something like that. You, with your level of English and your interest in people and culture and just life in general, have you ever thought about, actually, I think I know this. I'm still going to ask you, though. Have you ever thought about making content for English speakers in, in an attempt to, one have an English speaking audience, which would make you more money in terms of ads, because usually people with stronger currencies, like if you monetize for that audience, you'll make more because the companies selling the ads have higher paying customers with stronger currency. You know what I'm saying? For example, like if, you, if your audience is Brazil, let's just use Brazil, they're all paying in reais, or you could monetize with this audience paying in dollars. You can charge wow. more for your product or service if your customers earning dollars, dollars, pounds or euros, not saying you can't get rich, charging people in hay eyes, but it's just typically if they have a stronger currency. Like they can just spend more or the money goes further, yeah. especially if you're still located in Brazil. It just it's just how it works. So getting back to what I was saying, maybe choosing like an English speaking audience, making content about Brazil or Portuguese or something to kind of like build your foreign audience of English speaking dollar pound euro earning people finding a way to monetize. Or have you ever thought of that or any variation of something like that? Oh,
1: wow, man. Man, I never thought about that. Like an English speaking audience. That's interesting, man, because I didn't even know about this uh, difference between the, the ads being like more expensive depending on like where people are located. But uh man it's a great idea actually because well I don't have any ideas at the top mm-hmm. of my head now to like even even think about. But that's definitely a niche that I don't see being like saturated on YouTube. Like I've never seen yeah, I've never seen any Brazilian doing that. I've seen Brazilians doing like content for Brazilians in English, but like for an English speaking audience, I don't think I've ever seen that, man. That's, yeah, that <laughs> that might be a niche for me to explore right there for sure. I'm just
2: saying, man. I, I t- anytime yeah, I come man. across a foreigner, especially yeah. a Latin American, who speaks English relatively well and has an idea is thinking about making content. I'm like, bro, especially the ones who want to do it in English, but are kind of afraid. I'm like, man, I'm no expert on this stuff. I can't say that I am. So I'm not going to pretend that I am. All I know is that there's a huge opportunity for people who let's just use Latin America as an example. You know, there's so many people around the world in Europe and North America who are trying to learn Spanish. For example, a lot of times, People want to learn with natives because they want to speak like natives. And so when you go online looking for content, you typically find a native who was certified as a teacher making the same, frankly, boring content that's them standing in front of a whiteboard, writing the brown dog walked across the street and grabbed the shit like that. I mean, very basic, basic, basic level stuff. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying after a while, you and I both know you have to move on from that. And so when you go looking for more advanced content, I'm in this position right now looking for interesting content in Spanish. It's not as easy to find something that's made for an English speaker, but in a way as if it was made for a native. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Most stuff that's made for natives is like, OK, how are you? And today we're talking about this and I'm going to teach you five verbs up in bro. If you can already maintain a conversation in the language, why the fuck are you gonna listen to some shit like that? You're not, you're gonna, you want something that's like made as if it was for natives, speaking a regular pace about interesting subjects, but somebody's gonna stop and like explain the culture and the language and stuff like that. So giving you the real. But I'm still here to help you if you need it. It's very hard to find shit like that because most content creators, especially language teachers, go in with the mindset, I need to be a teacher. I need to wear a shirt and tie and be official and teach the English language. It's fucking boring, bro. <laughs> for most people who have passed the beginning stages, that is fucking boring. They don't like it. So they just watch content made for natives. But there's no, it wasn't made for them. There's nobody to explain things. It wasn't made with them in mind so getting back to what i was saying i think for people if you want to teach spanish or portuguese or just the culture of your country and increase the tourism that happens in your city or country man if you can find a way to like come a lot less formal just be yourself be kind of friendly outgoing engaging and you clearly love your country and culture and people and you just want to teach them about it in creative ways bro you could start a patreon page and there are people who earn in dollars and pounds and euros in my experience are usually much more willing to support content creators with monthly donations they're much more willing to buy digital products pay for classes and courses and shit like that and usually you take that and pair it with the fact that people usually in latin america need less money to survive so they can theoretically charge less than somebody who's making and spending dollars can charge if you are if you're spending hey or pesos you can charge more than you thought you could ever earn in your life. And it's still less than somebody else who has to make and spend dollars. Like, Oh, wow. You see what I'm saying? We're yeah, just yeah. talking to the same audience. So just on price alone, which is not a good strategy, but just on price alone, they're looking at you, the native Portuguese speaker from Brazil, who doesn't even need as much as this bullshit-ass thing over here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean... I could go deep into this. I feel myself going down a rabbit hole. I'm sure you get my point. I'm just trying to say that there's a huge opportunity because it's hard to find good content that's made at an intermediate or advanced level, but for English speakers and English speakers are looking for this kind of stuff and they have very limited options. Most of the options are exactly the same. I know this because I've looked for them and it's all the same shit. And I just wish I could find somebody like myself who does what I do, but in Spanish or Portuguese, there's not that many of them out there, bro. And so anybody who follows me and knows what I do, like, bro, you could fucking do it too. It's not easy. Take a long time to build up the audience and learn the business and how you're going to do your thing. But shit, man, I think one of the things that won't be easily replaced is original content made by human beings, at least not yet. A lot of things are getting automated and replaced, but human creativity, going to be hard to replicate, I think, bro. I really think. So just something to think about, man. You could be the fucking, because again, oh, you're building like with every, let's say you start a podcast, that's a TikTok page and a YouTube channel. You're posting stuff every week. Just by nature, slowly, you will be building your personal brand as the expert on all things Sao Paulo. So anytime anybody needs to know anything about Sao Paulo, who are they going to think of? You. When they want to tell their friends, who are they whose videos are they gonna to send to their friends? Yours. You know what I'm saying? Not Joel, not Paulo, not nobody else, but you, man. just because you had the balls to fucking go and do it, instead of just thinking about it. I can feel myself getting amped up, man, because I'm passionate about this shit. I mean just man. but yeah what do you yeah. think? What do you think about hearing all that?
1: Yeah, if if you look at it, it's kind of like what you do and like Portuguese, like Focusing on the Brazilian audience, mm-hmm. but like the other way around and then like i I thought about I thought about a similar thing with uh I mm-hmm. two years ago i was like I was planning to give like Portuguese classes yeah. in English for like people that are very very beginners. I guess that would be easier for their for them to begin. And also for people that are more advanced to begin, like, conversation classes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I started thinking about that, but it was never something that I actually, like, put into practice and, and try to do. But even on italking, man, I didn't really found any Portuguese teachers that were, like, mm-hmm. native in a language and had a really good English level. Um, most of them would be like, you could see their introduction in English, but it was like not great. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely something that to me, looking like from the outside, I was like, man, if I charge like $20 an hour, that would already be like a great, great price <laughs> for me. Yeah. And then for like a regular America, like American, they're charging maybe like $30, $40 or something like that. Because for them, that's like minimum, but for me, it's like man, twenty dollars <laughs> it's not really uh uh from my perspective, it's not like being too too cheap or mm-hmm. um not valuing myself or something like that, and then from an American perspective, it's like, oh, it's gotta be worth it because it's a native speaker and yeah man it's definitely something that i gotta uh give more 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 thought into Mm -hmm. because i don't see people doing it either on iTalkie or or youtube it's not really an area that people are exploring or Mm -hmm. that even uh uh, there is people to to explore so yeah man that's, that's definitely a great idea um content creating in general, like if we talk about like in Portuguese, not really like, (laughs) at least I've never had an idea that will like spark my interest. And Mm -hmm. I'd be like, yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, I don't know why, man, but I never felt like I had, I don't know if ability is the right word, but like, you know, that, um, that skill to like communicate to an mm-hmm. audience and to be like the host of something and to even like carry a podcast or something like that. I've always seen myself as a much better guest than like a host mm-hmm. or a much better participant than an owner. Um, yeah. Much better. Uh, uh person to be like on the side and to be like on the front of those things like uh, content creating uh, uh, speaking. Mm. But I don't know man. Uh, I've never tried. It could be different when I'm actually trying to do it. Like if I actually put myself out there like yeah let's see how it goes. But like looking from the outside I'm like "Mm, I'm not sure if I have what it takes you know. I can build it for sure. I can yeah. Uh, work on what I feel like I'm lacking or what needs to be different but uh, from the outside looking in like seeing you for example and all those YouTubers or people that do podcasts and things like that I'm like yeah that's not really that <laughs> nowadays I'm like prepared for, yeah. for whatever it takes I feel like yeah but I feel like a lot of it is like work you know I'm sure that you're I don't know the The hundredth time that you did a podcast was, was much much better than the first one than the second one, and so on, so it comes with a lot of work and dedication and persistence, but for me to begin like looking from the outside, not sure yet man <laughs> what do you what do you think
2: <laughs> honestly, I'll be a hundred percent honest i actually I'll say it this way. do you remember? The very, I mean, the very first number one episode of Life in English.
1: Uh, I think I do.
2: I talked about like the history of something that happened in Texas, the come and get it, and the gun culture. Oh, and no, shit like I, that.
1: I would say uh, I was gonna say talking about nothing, but I think that was
2: thought, yeah, that's the first available one. Yeah, it's funny because episode one, two, three, and four. I don't really remember what happened or why I didn't or couldn't upload them. They were only available on YouTube at the time. But let's just use talking about nothing. Let's use that one. If you compare that with the last episode I did on Life in English, for me, it's like night and day. You know what I'm saying? It's like two completely different versions of me. And what the reason I say that is because maybe you don't feel ready now. You don't feel prepared and you're like, ah, I can never do that. But it's exactly what you said, bro. It is work it is fucking work a lot of people have kind of fallen into this i don't know this false impression this illusion that making content is just setting up a camera and like doing some silly shit making good content is just like making good pizza or a good burger or a good anything it's doing something well it takes work bro it takes practice you have to get better at it it's a skill just like everything else it's just communication at the end of the day whether it's pictures blog articles podcasts youtube videos it's all just communication skills and you can get better at it that's not to say that some people won't be naturally predisposed some people won't be naturally talented and shit but i think hard work beats talent every fucking day of the week unless you come up across somebody who's superior like i mean top talent and they work hard as shit (laughs) then you got no chance but everybody i mean that's like fucking what two percent of the population everybody else you can fucking outwork if you really want it. So that's really what it comes down to for me is do you have the passion for it? Do you really want to do it? And would you do it if you knew for the next 10 years you wouldn't make any money? I think those are the questions you have to ask yourself. If you get the green light on all those questions, bro, fucking go for it. Worst thing that happens is nobody listens to it. Nobody watches it. (laughs) Life goes on, bro. It's not a fucking big deal. I think sometimes people get so caught up, Well, what if this and what if that? And how will I this? Like, bro, you won't know until you fucking try. Just try it. Oh, yeah. Just try it. You know, start a podcast. Do five, ten episodes. Just see what happens. If it goes nowhere, at least you tried. But then next year, when you see somebody else who tried, and now they got the number one podcast in your country, and that could have been you, you're like, oh, shit. I, I thought up. about that. And then yeah. you're going to say, fuck that guy. I would do it this way. He does it. You know what I'm saying? You start talking shit about him just because you feel like shit about yourself, Because you know you should have done it. I'm not talking about you, obviously. But I'm just saying, if you have the idea, you have the passion, and you're thinking about it, man, fucking go for it. When I think about you, you could do it in English. Or you could do it in Portuguese. It really doesn't fucking matter. I think there's opportunities in both. It just depends on the type of content you want to make and who you want to make it for. But in terms of the ability to get it done, come on, bro. I would not be encouraging you so much if I didn't believe you couldn't actually do it. Cause I know you can, you know what I'm saying? So I know that we talked about your podcast once, but you kind of left that to the side because maybe I guess time constraints and you weren't really sure how you wanted to approach it. Have you put in any more thought into the podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking about actually the possibility of doing it in English. I don't think that in Portuguese I'd be like as motivated because mm. I think if I do it in English, there's the aspect of like I'm practicing English or I'm getting more exposure to like new vocabulary and stuff like that. So that would kind of keep me on track, Mm -hmm. I feel like, or keep me doing it. And I feel like in Portuguese, it would be too, I don't know, not having that aspect. I don't think it would keep me doing it Mm -hmm. for as long, you know, because, um, Yeah, the times that I've done it in English, I, I've done a few actually that I kept to myself. Like mm-hmm. I thought about posting it, but I was like, nobody's gonna listen to it. <laughs> like it's too shitty, man. Like don't <laughs> don't post it on YouTube. Do people a favor don't yeah, yeah, don't yeah. make that available. So I've done a few, and uh, just imagining doing it in Portuguese, I can like the same topics that I talked about and the, the like the same. Uh, uh, way that i that i did it at the time i don't think i do it in portuguese because it's it just seems too boring i guess <laughs> doing it in portuguese you know i don't know and it just seems boring to me really? uh yeah like the 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 concept of podcast to me only only seems like an interesting thing when I think about it in English, mm. I don't know if it's because I started consuming podcasts in English before finding out about it in, in Portuguese. Cause, cause really podcasting in Portuguese only became popular around 2018 when Pogba and Flow became popular in Brazil. Mm-hmm. But before that, the idea of podcasting I had has always been in English. Yeah. So maybe that kind of, uh, made me attached to it in a way. But to me, the idea of like talking in Portuguese about like, just doing what we're doing right now. If it was a conversation, I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. But like, if I was like, yeah, let me record a podcast in Portuguese and I'm going to talk about that. And then it wouldn't be like a fun thing to do to me. Mm-hmm. It would just like be, you no, know? I don't know why.
2: That's interesting, man. Yeah, very I
1: we weird doing it in Portuguese.
2: I don't know why. But when you okay, so you think about your podcast, you want to do it all in English. Are you still going with the idea of doing something like what we're doing now, where you bring on a guest and you just have a conversation, or would you go solo, or what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, the 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 only thing that kind of kept me from doing it is because I want to do it for like an English speaking audience mm-hmm. primarily. And I'm not sure that people are going to want to listen to it. Cause I'm not a native speaker. I might have an accent. I might not be concise sometimes. So I was like, if people have, okay, I have this American that actually knows the language and has like a vast vocabulary. And I got this Brazilian dude that is like trying to speak English I don't think that I that I would be like an interesting option for the most part. You know, if I'm not talking about like a super interesting topic and showing like a super interesting perspective, I think I'd be like a few steps behind anybody that's like a native speaker, you know. Yeah, but I'm, just,
2: <laughs> I get your point. I get your point. Let me just play the devil's advocate and say this like yeah in your mind maybe you're a few steps behind but maybe you shouldn't think about it that way because at the end of the day it's not a competition so it's not like you're ahead or behind other people trying to get to some finish line it's your podcast man the shit if if done correctly it's for life it's until you can't fucking talk anymore or you just get bored of it you know what i'm saying so it's not like you have to be at a certain level by a certain time you just fucking do your thing not only that bro your fucking english is impeccable Cut the bullshit, bro. Like your English, you know how many, bro. I've shown you some of the messages I have gotten about you on this podcast and your ability to communicate in English, man. So that's not an issue. But I think doing the podcast will force you to improve your English and your ability to communicate as well. And not only that, I'm not the best person to ask, but I will just give you my own opinion. I don't give a fuck what the what the person's first language is if they're making sense and what they're saying is interesting to me, I'm going to keep listening. I don't give a fuck where they're from or if they speak Portuguese, Spanish, or whatever as a first language. As long as I can understand and it's interesting, I'll follow along. There are plenty of natives with podcasts that bore me to fucking death, bro. I would never listen to them. So I think I understand your point. I'm just trying to maybe knock down those things you perceive as barriers because they're not, bro. Like I said, if you really want to do it, fucking go for it because... The language barrier won't be a problem. And even if it is, you will get better with time at speaking in English and just communicating in general. You already know that. Number two, it's not a fucking competition, bro. There are plenty of podcasters. Joe Rogan is the biggest podcast on the planet. There are still other podcasters with millions of listeners every month. And they listen to both podcasts. They listen to Joe Rogan Experience and Your Mom's House and Modern Wisdom and Tony Cousins. I mean, they listen to a bunch of them. People eat McDonald's sometimes. Sometimes they eat Burger King or fucking Wendy's. You know what I'm saying? So fuck that, bro. If you want to do it, fucking go for it because you have no competition except the person you see in the mirror telling you, nah, you couldn't do that. Nah, what about this, bro? Fuck that guy. You know what I'm saying? You could do it, bro. It's it's all on you. Bro, that's
1: great to hear that perspective, man. And one thing I know for sure, man, if if I ever decide to go for it, you're definitely going to be my very first guest. For a I'd
2: be my under. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's another thing, too. Like, if I'm doing it in English, um, maybe you can tell me um, a strategy for that. But, like,
3: mm.
1: how am I going to find uh, yeah. guests yeah. that are even interested in participating in the first place? Because we're not talking about a podcast that I at least have, like, <laughs> Ten episodes to so like. Hey, yeah, that's yeah. my stuff. That's what I do. I'm talking about. Yeah, I got one podcast with Tony, and I. You gotta be my second yeah, guest.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, bro. Yeah. That's that's an interesting top, uh, subject I want to say topic and subject at the same time. Interesting topic and subject, and I think that um, it's a lot simpler and easier than you might think. Like me, for example, all the guests I've gotten, my emails were one paragraph. I would just and I found most of them just scrolling on TikTok, bro, because I mean, I was already using content from TikTok on my solo podcast, explaining the language and the culture and everything, just using it like that. And I would just come across so many interesting people and topics and perspectives and shit like that. So I would just save the videos. And then once I once it clicked in my head that, oh, there's nothing stopping me from reaching out to these people, asking them they want to be on the podcast. I just started reaching out to them. I'm, I'm like a fucking private investigator. I will search and search and search on all your profiles and links till I find your contact info, and I'm going to hit you up. You know what I'm saying? And then I would just say, hey, this is my name. I'm the host of this podcast. This is what it's about. been following you for a while on TikTok or Instagram, whatever, and I really appreciate what you do. I wanted to know more about these things you talk about. I would love it if you could come on my podcast. My audience would love to hear what you have to say. That's it. That was fucking it. And most people respond positively, even the ones who didn't have time or weren't really interested or some people would say, might maybe get back to me later. I'm busy right now. But I I don't think I was told no directly for no reason once. Even if I was told no for some legitimate reason, it was never rude or anything like that. And what you have to understand is that a lot of people, especially people who have things to say and are already making content online or posting their thoughts, like they want more attention for themselves so they can come on your show and reach a completely new audience that they can take back with them to their platform that's what you call a win-win you know what i mean yeah. now in your situation obviously you're just starting so you can't say i have thousands of people listening to my podcast come on the show but i think you just have to keep sending emails and messages until somebody will respond because they're actually people who just like talking you know so if they if yeah. they listen to a couple episodes Oh, Mateos is a cool guy. Sure, I'll come on his podcast. He wants to talk about the stuff I'm interested in. I see his interviewing style. He's a great listener. He has interesting things to say. They'll just try it just because one of my I think my first guest, he didn't even listen to the podcast. He just saw I had maybe 170 episodes or something like that, and saw what I was doing on TikTok and just said he got a good impression and said, Fucking why not? Just because I asked him directly, politely. And he wanted to share his message with whoever was willing to listen. So I said, yeah, come on the fucking show, man. Yeah. But it was super simple. It's a, it's For me, I think you wow. just have to get in the mindset where it's like, yeah, you're asking them for their time and everything. But you're also exposing them to a completely new audience. And if they say no, that's fine, bro. You have no right to take their time away from their business yeah. and family. It's no big deal. There's plenty of people to talk to. Joe Rogan has like 2000 episodes, bro. There are plenty of people to talk to. And so I guess in the beginning, as far as strategy, I would say just put together the longest list possible of all the people you really want to talk to. I don't care how famous they are. Does not matter at that point. Put them all on a fucking list and one by fucking one, hit them up. Just ask them because you never know what somebody's going to say. And as you say in Portuguese, the no, you already got bro yeah (laughs) you already got that shit so why not just fucking ask you never know what's gonna happen and in the meantime just podcast with your friends anytime you want to fucking cut on the mics and talk some shit you got my number bro and anybody else you can get on the podcast just do as many episodes as you can get into the groove get better at interviewing and maintaining conversation so that when finally somebody who is top tier says yes you're fucking ready you're not on episode one trying to figure out uh how do I host the podcast. You already got experience. You know what I'm yeah, saying? So keep absolutely, it. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And be direct, bro. That's my approach.
1: It's a great idea, man. I think I have a group of like five people, I wanna say, mm-hmm. from Hello Talk that I was able okay. that I was able to keep. Maybe I can use that as like a start.
2: Absolutely. And
1: have like those first five episodes out of the way. Mm-hmm. And then from there already having like something to show like hey this is me, my podcast exactly. that could be that could be a good start. But yeah, man, that's um I wanna there's a lot about your podcast and your style of doing it that I would like to implement because I'm really like a big like fan of it. I like like the way that you that you uh conduct, I don't know if that's a yeah, word. Yeah the interviews and and the conversations and pretty much the concept that we talked about before like not having it feel like an actual interview but much more like a conversation mm-hmm. um just like two just two people having a conversation like informal conversation with no like prepared subjects script or anything like that I like that style because it feels much more realistic or like a real conversation. So yeah, there's definitely a lot to study and a lot to prepare and a lot to figure out as well. Uh, But that's definitely a great idea, man. Absolutely. So doing it in Portuguese is pretty much out of the way. But now (laughs) having those ideas and that perspective from you, man, it definitely encourages me to to think more about that absolutely yeah i can already think of like at least five people so mm. five episodes out of the way yeah
2: yeah absolutely and you can do all those people multiple times you know what i mean it's yeah. um, there's that's the beautiful thing about content creation in general art in general podcasting any of those creative fields like there's no rules bro you do whatever yeah. you want you can you, th- you like imagine but there's in a world where Everybody has kind of started to tell themselves, if I make content, it has to be 30 seconds or less because that's how long people's attention spans are and blah, blah, blah. Whereas people like myself and Joe Rogan and I could probably name 10 other people, Gary Vee, Chris Williamson. I mean, there's so many podcasters putting out episodes that are two, three, four hours long and people like me will listen to the whole fucking thing. There are no rules, bro. There's a, that's the beautiful thing about the internet is there's a little bit of something for everybody. So if you want to learn all about football, there's short form and long form content. There's blogs about it and YouTube channels and podcasts, any fucking topic. You can find your crowd if your shit is good and if you are consistent and intentional. You can find your fucking little tribe. I'm not saying it's going to be easy or that it's going to be overnight, but you can do it. We've seen it happen time and time and fucking time again in every field. Look at Mr. Beast, bro. This motherfucker was making videos in his bedroom with an iPhone for for his first 200,000 subscribers. One of his first videos was him cutting a table in half with a plastic fucking knife. You know how dumb that shit is, bro. You know how fucking dumb that shit is. And now he's one of the biggest YouTubers on the planet. Like making shit that nobody could ever dream of. You know what I'm saying? It took him over 10 years to do it. So in the beginning, it's uncertain. You don't know what the fuck is going to happen. But just by sticking with it. Joe Rogan was live streaming on some shit like, similar to Omegle. Those were the first podcast episodes. Just him and his home was fucking around on a live stream. 10 years later, look at where this motherfucker is now. You know what I'm saying? We've seen it time and time and time again, even with languages, going back to the beginning of this conversation. Just perseverance, bro. Knowing what you want, being smart enough or dumb enough to stick with it long enough for it to turn into something, bro. You know what I'm saying? But when it comes to content creation, even if the market is saturated, I still think there's a lot of opportunity because it's still very young. The internet, social media content creation in general. So if you can just resist the urge to do what everybody else is doing because you think that's going to get you views and an audience, just do your shit. You have no competition, bro. You're unstoppable. Absolutely,
1: man. Yeah. Yeah, man. And also like not having that uh desire to like immediately Get exactly. money from exactly. it, or to immediately make it popular, yeah, right. or to make it blow. Like just start, just for fun, just because you want to. And if it does have some success, great. If it doesn't, you're just having fun, you just exactly having your time. And that's something that I've always um uh, like when I when I think about having a podcast, it's really yeah, like in a way, I I I do get worried about people thinking it's weird or mm-hmm. that I don't sound great but uh, I like to think about it as like it's my stuff I want to do it my way and I want to do it as like a live project You know, yep. I want to do it as something like first of all as a way to kind of like register my trajectory in life and kind of like record my thoughts and something that I can look back on in a few years from now And just to express myself really, talk to interesting people, uh, have some great conversations, and that's it. And that thought of like, oh, I wanna make it big, I want people to listen (laughs) to it, can really mess with it long-term sometimes.
2: 1,000%, man. I remember probably, it doesn't matter, let's say a month ago, I saw some quote, or I heard some quote, somebody said something like, I, I don't want to fuck it. Of course, now I'm trying to tell it to you. I'm about to fuck it up. But it was something like I used to. Damn. I don't. Want, it's something like I used to do what I loved for a living. Now I don't, I'm going to fuck it up, bro. Now I'm going to go crazy until I find what it was. Hang on. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, I
3: used to do what I love for a living.
2: Nah, I'm not gonna find it. Not quickly anyway. Anyway, the point of the quote or whatever was something like I used to wake up and do what I loved for a living. And now it just became a job to where like now I'm just getting paid to do something that I used to love. I think there was more or less the quote is I used to get paid to do what wow. I love for a living. Now I'm just getting paid to do something I used to love. Oh, it was wow. more or less that. Yeah, more that or makes less sense. that. And for anybody who doesn't understand, the basic idea is just like sometimes. You trying to make a career out of this thing you love is the worst possible thing you could do because when it becomes your career, okay, now money's involved. And if you don't make any money, you're homeless, bro. So (laughs) we know you love it. We know it's fun. But when it becomes business, it's like, nah, a different level, theoretically, a different level of discipline and critical thinking strategy is involved to actually make it a success because you got to eat bro. So yeah, absolutely, I think, yeah. yeah, man, it should, it should never, especially a creative endeavor, something like content creation should never be just for the money. Unless you just understand the business of media and content creation and you go in with that mindset. No, I'm here to make money. This is not art or pleasure or fun. This is my business. That's different but thinking, oh, I'm going to be a famous podcaster one day just doing what I love. Yeah, you and the other 10 fucking million people who want the same shit, bro, what are you talking about? It's not that simple, not that easy. So, yeah, shit like that you got to do for just the love of the game, I think. And usually if you can stick with that long enough, I've seen it play out so many times, it's like it usually goes pretty well for you, but you got to pay the cost, you know what I'm saying?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, like the worst thing you want to have happen is like, end up killing your passion because you're doing it for a living yeah bro. you know depend on that yeah, to, like, bro. live <laughs> yeah that's kind of that's kind of similar to my situation back in 2018 something like that when I was about to get into college and I was like, man I'm not really sure if I'm passionate about this I'm not sure if I do this for a living and I was like, what do I actually love to do like Mm. what is actually my passion and I was sitting there thinking I'm like "Ah, I don't really love anything and I thought harder I was like man I actually really enjoy learning English man and I like to teach things that's it I'm gonna teach English (laughs) and like bro I am blessed that I had or I have a dad that has been a teacher before, and he told me, Don't do that. Yeah,
2: bro. Like,
1: yeah, you love English, you like to teach it, but when you're stuck in a classroom with a bunch of teenagers that don't give a shit about your class, you're gonna hate English. Yeah, bro. You're gonna hate giving classes. So just maintain that as like passion, like mm. keep it the way it is, and then do something else that that way you're going to keep loving English and you're going to make money something else. Because work at the end of the day is always going to be work. And if you use that as a way to like depend on your passion to make money, there's a high chance that you're going to, you're going to end up hating
2: that. (laughs) You're going to burn out sooner or later. 1000% bro. 1000%. And that's why I think um, now more than ever, I've heard this many times, and I tell this to anybody who's kind of confused about what they want to do, about their career, which direction they should take. It's like, bro, following your passion is such horseshit. It's it's such bad advice. It's such bad advice for most people because most people will end up murdering their passions in the pursuit of money. And money is just so empty in terms of something that you should be pursuing i mean it's meaningful because with that with money everything is possible but i know that i get that but you know what i mean just chasing money especially when the way you get that money is through something that you think you love you're just adding unnecessary stress and complication into the situation and now there's obligations involved and responsibilities whereas before you would just wake up and do it because you wanted to And we hate doing shit because we feel, we go to work, we have jobs because we're obligated to get up, go make money, to pay bills and everything. That's called a job. And the worst thing you could do for yourself is create another job. You know what I'm saying? That's like the opposite of what you want. But that's what a lot of us end up doing is taking our passion, saying I'm gonna do this for a living, and you just give yourself another job. And you hate fucking jobs. You started pursuing your passion to get away from your fucking job. You just gave yourself another one. So for a lot of people, it's not the best advice. I would say figure out what you're good at and then figure out how you can make the most fucking money possible doing that shit. And then also learn about investing, making your money multiply, expand your network and start talking to other people that have money, figure out what they do with them. I mean, there's a whole other side of it. I'm just saying when it comes to choosing what you're going to do for a living, bro, do what you're good at and not what you're passionate about and you should be okay. Because if you're absolutely. good at it, you can probably get paid for it. And if you're getting paid for it, and you're good at it, you're probably gonna learn to love it because you're already doing so well and getting paid so well. So, just why would I fuck this up? I'm just gonna keep going and get better and better. Yeah, but yeah. the money for passion thing, bro. What if your passion is oh, fucking okay. collecting stamps, dog? I mean, you're gonna. <laughs> what if your passion is taking bottle caps and making furniture? How many fucking pieces of furniture are you gonna sell? Made out of bottle yeah. caps. Get the fuck out of here, bro. That's your passion. Keep it that yeah. way. You are good at math. Be an accountant. Do some shit like that. I don't know something that's gonna pay for real. You yeah. Know? That's what I wish I would have been told at twelve, thirteen, fifteen, sixteen. That would have saved myself a lot of time and heartache, and spent a lot more time just experimenting with a bunch of shit till I found what I was truly good at. Then I go all in on that shit. Stop wasting time. You know.
1: Yeah. That makes sense, man. Did you, did you have a passion back when you were like a teenager or something? Did you have something that you were like, yeah, man, that's <laughs> my passion. I want to do that. Yes. For a living.
2: Two things. You the have first that one. Moment of like one, illusion. Bro, 1,000%. 1, one, man, hell yeah. I remember when I was nine, eight or nine years old, the first thing I wanted to be in life was an actor. I don't know if I've told you this story, yeah. but I just remember being a kid vividly. To this day, I remember being in my bedroom. Had like me, man. You remember those the big TVs with the fat backs on them and shit? I have one of those in my room. I was watching Bad Boys 2. Have you seen that movie with Will Smith and Martin (laughs) Lawrence? There's a scene in there where Will Smith is in the abandoned house, the Jamaicans and whatever they were were on the other side of the wall, and they were shooting and blasting or whatever. He has a pistol pointed this way and a pistol pointed that way at both doors. And Martin Lawrence is in the bathroom or something screaming. And so he's shooting this way and shooting that way. And I had fake guns when I was a kid. So I'd stand in my room pretending to be Will Smith, shooting over here, shooting over there, reciting the lines and shit like I really thought I was good at it. And I just knew from a very young age, I'm going to be an actor because it's just natural to me. I don't know what it was, but I just wanted to do it. And then I think, which is kind of, I don't even remember how this came about. But when I think about it, it's kind of sad. But somewhere between like eight years old and 13, I convinced myself There's no way I'm going to make it in Hollywood because there's just too much competition. Too many people want to be actors. I'm not. You know what I'm saying? It's just not going to work. I convinced myself that it wasn't worth even trying. I don't remember why or how. I just remember that I did that. And so when I let go of that, which I'm kind of glad I did, then I moved on when I was 13-ish. I wanted to make music. I wanted to be a rapper, bro, because I just grew up listening to hip-hop and loved rapping and freestyling, making beats and shit. Just the whole culture of hip-hop in general always drew me so strongly. So I wanted to be a part of that, but I kind of let go of that too, more or less for the same reasons. And just because at some point I felt like I didn't have any interesting stories to tell. And hip hop is all about telling stories. And I just felt like listening to the people I looked up to, I'm like, man, I don't have any shit like that to talk about. Nothing interesting or deep or entertaining or whatever. So, And then I, as I got older, I understood that the life of a rapper that we see is only a piece of it. Just like everything else, it's fucking business. I mean, it's work. It's real work. So you get to have a lot of fun and live a privileged lifestyle, but you pay for it in some way. And I just kind of realized as I got older, I never would have wanted that for myself anyway. So, yeah. But to answer your question, those were two things when I was younger. I'm like, man, if I could do this shit every day, I don't care what I'm getting paid. As long as I can pay the bills, I'm fucking great, bro. I'm great, you know, but yeah thanks change. Oh
1: man it's funny it's kind of similar to my dream of uh, becoming a soccer player Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember when I was like 13 to 14 I kind of got hit by reality and I was Mm -hmm. like there's too it's too competitive for me
3: yeah
1: I'm not that great so there's no way for me to stand out and It's kind of hard, man. I I don't know what it was like for you as a kid, but, like, I think it's one thing to, as an adult, let go of a dream and be like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. I got to pursue something else. And then as a kid, to overcome that, if that's, like, really your dream and you really want to do it, to have that maturity to look at it and be like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but there's a whole life ahead of me and I can do other things. I can work on other uh, um, abilities, develop mm-hmm. other skills and then do something else. Cause I remember as a kid, as a 12 year old kid for me to let go of that dream and be like, yeah, not going to happen. It was a lot for me. Something mm-hmm. that nowadays looking back, it was like, man, it's going to have a, a regular job. Like, yeah not that big of a deal you yeah. know <laughs> but for a kid uh, I don't think I was prepared do you feel like it was the same for you as like having to give those dreams up and be like yeah not gonna happen
2: nah for me I think it was a bit different it's, I never really thought about this it's really interesting you say that though because when I think back to those days when I had strangely convinced myself it wasn't a good idea I think it wasn't hard to let go of the dream because I was convincing myself that it wasn't going to happen more from a sense of like, like not being good enough to make it happen. Not that it wasn't possible, but just that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And so I think it's kind of strange because I never thought about it that way, but from a very young age had like a self-defeating mindset, just thinking I'm not good enough. It could never happen for me and that type of shit. And for that reason, I think it was a bit maybe easier to just be like, ah, fuck it, whatever. Just let it go. It was never gonna work anyway type of thing. You know what I mean? It was really sad to think about like a (laughs) nine-year-old kid saying some shit like that to himself. But that's what it was, man. I mean, when I think back on it, I really think it was more that than me saying, oh, nah, too much competition, I could not. Because for me, if I know I'm good at something, even if there's a lot of, I don't give a fuck about, I'm saying that now as an adult, I didn't think this way back then. So I can't really, say I was thinking this back then, but these days it's like, I don't give a fuck about competition, bro. Competition is a good thing. That means there's opportunities there. There's no competition. You're either fucking brand new and creating a category or you're investing in some shit that is dead. Both are equally dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. That's just, uh, that's the way I think about it. So I don't, for me, I think it was more of a self-defeating mindset than a fear that I couldn't compete because I know I can compete. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Man, it's interesting how you mentioned before how nowadays I have this idea of like even yeah. if I'm not talented enough, hard work beats talent All day. every day of the week. Imagine like like you have that I like, that idea now as an adult after having experiences yeah. and after learning new skills, but imagine like if you had that idea as a nine-year-old kid, like, yeah, I'm not talented enough, but what if I do the work? What if I do what it takes to become a great actor? Exactly. It's kind of, it, it's almost like um, unfair that a lot of the um, ideas that we have as an adult or a lot of the things that we learn as an adult if we were to apply when we were younger, our life would have been completely different. It That's would have true. gone a completely different direction yeah. just because at that time, we didn't have the mind that we have nowadays. That's, it's crazy to think about because I know there's a lot of things in my life that if I had the mind that I have nowadays, back then, like the game would change mm-hmm. completely. Do you ever think about that? Like the lessons that you learn and like I learned that not at the wrong time because mm-hmm. you can still use that for the rest of your life. But like it's too bad that I cannot apply that yeah. in the past, you know? Yeah, of
2: course. I think it's normal to have that thought or feeling at least once in a while. But to be honest, these days I just try to focus on what's actually useful. So when I think about knowing what I know today and wishing I would have learned it back then, it's like. Yeah, nigga, but you didn't. So just fucking (laughs) just use it now to the best of your ability. So five years from now, you're not looking back saying the same shit, you know. But yeah, of course, I think that's part of the reason I'm so. um, What's the word I could use? I'm so not worried, but. For lack of a better term, just kind of worried about the next generation that's coming after us just because. The potential they have to do such incredible things. And I'm generalizing, of course. But the potential that they have to do certain things that just weren't possible 30 or 40 years ago. With the fact that nobody's fucking talking to them. Nobody's fucking talking to their kids. Or teaching them shit. Or building up their character. Or giving them confidence. How many people age 24 or younger are walking around just fucking broken inside. No confidence. No sense of self. No support system, no friends, shitty family, never really done anything. So they got no experience. What the fuck are you going to do with yourself? There's so many people walking around like that when they got so much fucking potential inside them. They're just afraid to make a move. They just don't believe they can do it or they don't have the support to get certain things done or whatever. And that's why I think about it a lot, bro. It's like knowing what we know now, if we could have known back then, think about how different shit would be. Okay, it can't be. But there are kids coming after us. We can talk to them. Because not many people are fucking talking to them. And the ones who are talking to them, telling them a lot of dumb shit. And they're going to get to 28, 38, 48 and be like, God damn, if I would have known back then, what I know now. And maybe that's human nature. I'm sure every fucking adult has arrived at that conclusion. Like, ah, if I would have just learned. But I think part of that, not all of it, part of it is like, man, maybe we should like be parenting and brothering and uncling our children a little bit better. So that they can, from a very young age, fucking kill it in life. Because a lot of people can, bro. They just don't have the right direction or people around them to harness and realize the potential that they have. I think that's the sad truth for the majority of people. I'm not saying everybody can be fucking Superman or Michael Jordan or Steve Jobs. But a lot of people, including you and me, could be doing a lot fucking more if we just had some other good people around us to keep us focused on what's important and what we're actually good at and making progress on that, a lot of people would be a lot better. Maybe that sounds cheesy, but it's what I believe, bro. A lot of us are just wasting time and potential because we're walking around fucking lost. You know? <laughs> There's no support system, no good friends, nobody who's been where we want to be. So we're just kind of bumping in the fucking walls just trying to figure it out as we make our way down the path. And maybe that's the way it should be. I don't know. but um Absolutely, man. Yeah.
1: Dude, I think a lot of the the... Not only parenting, but a lot of the traditional way of doing things are getting like lost nowadays because of internet, social media, and all of these resources like a dumb example is like the way that we socialize nowadays, and even like the fact that well, I've done that. Actually, my relationship nowadays (laughs) was a result of that. But like going on Tinder, man, like the fact that we don't actually go to bars or nightclubs Mm -hmm. and actually approach a girl.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, We want to go the easier route, just find a girl to text you for months before actually meeting in person. It's crazy, man, because like we were talking about kids and. I feel like nowadays every 10-year-old has an iPhone mm-hmm. and access to Instagram and TikTok and yeah. YouTube. And I think we're only going to find out the result of that in a few years from now because for me personally, I've only had a phone when I was 14, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. So before that, I didn't have access to like WhatsApp and youtube and all those social medias so my way of socializing or the way that i learned how to socialize with people was actually being around people mm-hmm. and even then i became a fucking <laughs> awkward dude man. <laughs> i became awkward as fuck yeah. so imagine like people that do not have that habit of actually going out there mm-hmm. and talking to people and all they do, like all the the social skills they have, is like looking at their phones,
2: fucking emojis, scripts, yeah,
1: emojis and things like that. It's gonna be a huge impact.
2: <laughs> huge impact has been, and certainly will continue to be one thousand percent. I saw a video recently on TikTok related to that, and this lady was saying she, maybe it was a guy, I don't know, somebody put like an old video from like the early 2000s, back when we had ham held camcorders and shit. And it was somebody who was walking around the high school, just probably for journalism class or something, just recording kids. And she was noticing the difference between kids then and kids now. So let's say 2002. What a pick a year, 2002. So this kid's walking around and you could see in the video when people noticed they were on camera, they would just naturally like wave or smile or do some silly shit because, oh, this is... It's a video camera, what the fuck? I guess I should just do something. It was just a new and kind of like weird experience, but they didn't take it too seriously. They're just like, let me do something silly for the camera, blah, whatever. That was the end of it. Nobody really thought twice about it. And I can confirm that because I remember in my journalism class for high school, we did like some little mini documentary and people were like strangely intrigued by what we were doing. They want to jump in front of the camera. They want to ask about what you're doing. Oh, let me be in the video. Whereas nowadays completely different because now everybody walks around and if you see somebody walking around like this you know what that means you're going on the fucking internet you're going on social media so you better not make a silly face better not embarrass yourself better not say something dumb you better look cool and successful and in control and fucking instagram picture ready otherwise in the comment of whatever video or picture that gets posted you are going to get blasted bro you will be destroyed then you got to go back to school after somebody posted that embarrassing video or picture and everybody seen it, it went viral and shit. That wasn't the case. I mean, of course, this shit happened at school. People talk about it. But now it's not just your high school. It's like the entire internet. So people are fucking afraid. If you walk into a place now like this in somebody's face, get that shit out of my face. Don't point the <laughs> camera at me. What, where are you going to post that? What's this for? They're automatically suspicious because the culture has just changed around it. People's relationship with personal space. Personal privacy, you know, I mean, so many things have changed slightly because of our weird relationship with social media and because people have started spending more time at home, which means that they've had less exposure to danger and violence. Because in the past, I think walking around doing stupid shit, trying to ruin people's reputation or disrespect them, make fun of them, especially if you're a man, you will get the shit knocked out of you depending on where you are. For disrespecting somebody, mistreating them, trying to ruin their name, discredit, whatever. You know, like you would get fucked up by certain people. Now, from the comfort of your home, you can just fucking tweet and post and TikTok and Instagram. All types of horrific shit. People don't even know who you are. You're just sitting at home on your couch. probably got your dick in one hand, Cheetos in the other hand. Fucking wiping them off on your sweatshirt to type some fucking hate comments in the YouTube video. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just shit has changed. You're absolutely right. Shit has changed. and. Obviously, we're generalizing, but I just wonder, I just wonder, man, where does this go? Because our parents probably said the same thing about us. These fucking kids, they don't know. Women, their phones, and their MySpace, and internet, and YouTube, and their parents probably said the same shit. I understand that's nothing new, but we've never seen something quite like this. And sometimes I just wonder, like, how far does this go, bro? As it gets to the point where we don't even open our mouths anymore, and we're really just with the device in the brain on some global network that we communicate without even speaking, or what the what the fuck's going on here, bro? Where does this go? Yeah. I think yeah. about that sometimes, man, because I don't see a very Where's positive in future. I am, yeah. yeah, I try not to be pessimistic, but I don't know if I see the future in such a bright light when it comes to that. Oh. I'll be honest with you.
1: Yeah, because it's it's progressing pretty pretty fast, man. Like yeah. if you if you think about it, every Every iPhone that gets released or every new Mac computer that gets released, new technology that's coming out, there's always something new, always something that's, like, outstanding. And even, like, if you think about 10 years ago, when I was a kid, I couldn't FaceTime with my friends. Yeah. Like, I had to go to their house to actually play some video games, do something (laughs) together. Yeah. And nowadays, even, like, socializing with your friends is, like, you have a more easy way of doing it. Yeah. And, yeah, man.
2: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods,
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: That's, that's something to worry about. What's what's even more—what what makes me even more worried is that those kids that you mentioned that are being, like, spoiled or that are growing up broken, not having instructions from their parents— they're going to be parents, too. And how are their kids going to be? Yeah. So it's we don't even know what to expect. man.
2: That's probably what scares me the most out of all of it. It's like, man, these motherfuckers are going to reproduce, bro. And they're not even that. That's the other thing is they're much less interested in getting married and they're much less interested in raising a family, even if they keep having fucking kids. That's fucking frightening to me, bro. And it's universal. Like in many countries around the world, this is the case. Not all of them, obviously, but that's like really concerning to me. The complete rejection of the value of family, the complete rejection of the value of like raising kids, being a good husband or a good wife, a stable home, you know? I mean like, you know how many young women I talk to today have no interest in having kids? From age 22 to fucking 32 Nope I'm good You know what I'm saying How many young men Age 22 to 32 No interest in getting married Whoa! And I was one of them at one point So I get it But it's just like man If I mean like Kind of going back to what you said Just tradition in general The traditional lifestyle Way of doing things Communicating Interacting For better or for worse It's slowly Disappearing and I guess I'm just yeah. worried about what replaces that if family means nothing the most important thing in fucking life means nothing now and having and raising children means nothing now and and people keep having children they're not married don't even like their boyfriends or girlfriends don't have enough yeah. money to take care of the fucking kid what are we doing y'all what the fuck are we doing like we've seen this happen so many times and we keep doing it we keep yeah. so I don't know I'm not an expert oh, on man. this shit. I don't know what I'm talking about, but it it does concern me a little bit.
1: Yeah. I can I can already see myself as like being that old, boring dude at the table, being like, Yeah, in Same. my time it wasn't <laughs> like this.
2: It <laughs> wasn't this fast that we're seeing. I already feel like that, bro, man. I'm I'm not even thirty yet, and I talk to any most people younger than me, and I'm like, bro, y'all make me feel so fucking old because I don't know fucking people on some different and it's not even that's the crazy thing it's not even just young people bro there are some people our age 30s 40s 50s who are just as addicted to their cell phones and have reduced themselves to fucking high school students mentally fucking high school students you know what I mean and so maybe that's part of the reason that they just are not parenting their fucking children because they're too busy staring at whatever is on their fucking screen you know what I mean And so, I I don't know. I'm sure this is a very old, boring conversation for a lot of people. We talked about the dangers of social media and the internet and blah, blah, blah. Because it's not all bad. I mean, we met on fucking YouTube. You know what I'm saying? It's not all bad. Like, you can get a lot of good shit out of it. But I don't know. I think tradition, as I got older, I I learned that tradition is tradition for a reason. There's a reason certain traditions last hundreds or thousands of years. It's because they fucking work, bro. They work. You know what I mean? People, oh, for thousands of years have gotten married, had children, raised families. Yeah. For thousands, I mean, like, bro, that is what humans do. I'm not saying everybody should do it, but to say that nobody needs to do it now, it's not important. It's meaningless. Like, bro, you're smoking crack, bro. You're tripping. Absolutely, You're man. tripping.
1: Yeah. But it's also, man, it's, it's interesting to see that at the same time, there's a lot of people that are older than us that kind of like look down at our generation and they're like, nah, these guys are doing it wrong. At mm-hmm. my time, it wasn't like this. So I wonder if there's always like a tendency of like humans thinking back and like looking up at the, like the old school, like the, the old way of doing things and that's always been best. You're doing it wrong. I don't know if there's like uh, a tendency that we have as human beings to value the old school too much, or if it really is everything getting a little bit lost sometimes.
2: I think it's human nature, right? I mean, we just hate change. Anything that's yeah. different, we if if we fucking can't change <laughs> it, we're gonna complain about it. You know what I'm saying? We just want we kind of want things to always be the way we like them to be. And the sad, maybe it's not sad, but the reality is, shit will never always, this such a poor, never always be. <laughs> shit will never be exactly the way you want it to be forever. It's just never gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I think some on some level we resist change. I try not to. I try to just accept the way young people do the things that they do. When I was with my nephew, when we live close I mean I would always try to kick it with him whenever I got the chance and just like study the way he talks to his friends and what he's into (laughs) culturally and like what he finds fun this type of stuff he's saying and shit like that just to be exposed to it and instead of my natural reaction which is like the old grumpy man saying it should be this way or you should say that or behave like this it's like nah bro i should just let him be a fucking kid and grow and develop the way he's gonna grow and develop and if i have some some game or some knowledge to share with him i can share it but it's up to him to take it or leave it and just let the youth do what they do which is fucking grow you know in the way that they want to not the way i think they should but it's difficult too right because as a parent It's not that simple. You can't just oh, just let the kids do what they want to do and be kids and blah, blah. You have to be the guide and the leader and the protector, but also the one who releases them into the wild so that they can get that experience. So it's like, how the fuck, as a parent, do you find that balance in between helping them grow and protecting them from the chaos that is the world and at the same time not stunting their growth and hurting them long term by keeping them in the house? You still have to let them out. And fucking break bones and go down dead ends and get their heart broken and fucking all this shit It's just yeah. how do you know what i mean that's what i think concerns me most about being a father is just how the fuck am i gonna teach a little boy to be a man or a young lady how am i gonna help my wife to teach a young lady to be a woman how the bro. fuck are we gonna raise some productive members of society bro bro <laughs> like when man, i think about that um i got it no answers me a lot. yeah man
1: and yeah I, I can't imagine like the difficulty of being a father man of parenting a kid yeah because it's definitely finding that balance between like not releasing it too much but also not over protecting right and being able to find that balance without like Cause you can't like play and be like, yeah, let's try to make it happen, or let's see how it goes. Like Mm -hmm. you're you're dealing with a human being (laughs) that's gonna be like the future. Like you can't
2: no returns on this shit.
1: Exactly. So man, yeah, and it also kind of makes me wonder. Like, I don't think there's ever a point where. You're like, I feel 100% prepared to be a dad. My son is going to be parented the best way possible. So everybody's going to have like a little bit of, I won't say fault, into a human being's future when parenting a kid. Like there's (laughs) something around that you're going to do that's going to have an impact In their future. Mm -hmm. Just like I do. And I deal with it. To this day. And you do as well. Sure. There's going to be like. A percentage of responsibility. In that. That you can't really. um, uh, Pretend that from. from, Prevent that from
3: happening. Yeah
2: exactly. Exactly. I think you're 100% right. It's like. Everybody makes mistakes, and you're going to fuck up at some point. I guess I'm just kind of, like, definitely afraid of fucking up on the vital things, the crucial things. You know, I don't want to be the reason that my child is walking around fucking broken or lacking confidence or has some mental disorder or some shit that they developed just by being around me and my wife. Like, nah, bro, that scares the shit out of me. And I'm not saying that there's a likely chance it would happen. I'm just saying I think about shit like that. I guess... It's a negative, like a an old habit of thinking negatively about all the shit that could go wrong before I try something. And I, maybe that's what I'm doing when I think about having kids, because it really is a beautiful thing. And I think that you and your child are going to grow from the experience and you're going to fuck up whether you have kids or don't. You'll just fuck up in different ways with different people. So you can't really avoid that. But goddamn, man, just being responsible for another life or lives, depending on how many kids you have. And then your partner, your life partner, and then yourself. Cause another maybe like you try so hard to be everything for everybody else that you stop being something for yourself and that's just as bad. Cause eventually that's gonna go yeah. to shit. You don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your people. So it's I mean, yeah, like in everything man. in life, it's all about balance, right? And I guess since I never saw that balance at home or in anywhere in my family or extended family, when I try to imagine myself in that situation doing it successfully. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do when all I know is this? And I don't want this for my children. The fuck am I supposed to give them, bro? (laughs) So fucking fingers crossed, my wife was raised in a fantastic environment and just has some input that she can offer. I don't fucking know, man. I really don't. But that's why these days, I think before I truly consider having children, I would really want to be emotionally straight financially straight and also be around other men that I look up to and admire that have also fathered children so that they can kind of like coach me through it. Just like if you were starting a business, it's great to have mentors or business partners or if you're learning a language, it's good to have a teacher or language exchange partners. Somebody to kind of help you through the process and tell you when you're being fucking dumb, tell you when you need to like just relax, tell you when you need to go on the offense. I mean, shit like that. Somebody who has been there and done that successfully that can at least give me a few pointers. You know what I mean? Cause they can never live my life for me, but I just feel like to go it completely alone, no help, no input, no, nothing, no great exam. I mean, what the fuck, bro? What the oh, fuck? you just rolling dice. You know what I'm saying? I don't know,
1: bro. Definitely. And man, you, you touched on a really interesting point, which is you, you still have to take care of yourself. Yeah. Man. So you still gotta look at yourself, even though you have this kid to 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 look after. Because, man, I've heard so many parents say stuff like, "When I when I had my kid, the idea of myself in my mind disappeared. Like, all I thought about was my kid, and I stopped thinking about myself, and like my energy was all towards." This little person. Mm -hmm. And man, I I can't think of myself in that situation because I feel like regardless of your age or the stage you're at in your life, if you stop looking at yourself or stop working on yourself, your life kind of ends in a way, man. Like the idea of like all your energy going towards... One person, yeah, it's your son, it's your responsibility, but like, I'm not sure if I'm prepared for that. And that's something that I've heard from a lot of parents. Like, once I've had my kid, all my priorities changed and all my ideas about life changed and everything became like just going towards this priority that I have right now. And not because you want to, but almost like an instinct, Mm -hmm. I feel like, when people tell me that. It's almost like an instinct to, like, protect this person above everything else and forget about myself.
2: I think it's a mistake, man. I mean, I've obviously never had kids. It just seems like a mistake because, first of all, giving all your time and attention and protection to your kid in the long run or over a long, I mean, extended period of time is going to do more harm than good. Like kids who are overly sheltered, given way too much attention and affection and shit normally tend to be very feeble sensitive just unproductive people and they're constantly looking for that same level of comfort and security that they found at home when the real world just doesn't fucking work like that and if your parents never exposed you to the real world come 18 or 21 you are in for a rude awakening my friend like reality is going to slap the shit out of your face with an open hand. You know what I'm saying? No mercy. It's just the way it is. So obviously you got to love and protect your kids and show them affection and give them confidence and all that. But I think part of loving a child, part of protecting them, part of giving them that affection and doing what's really best for them is letting them run out there, push them into the fire, push them into the fucking pool just to see if they sink or swim. You can always jump in, pull them back out the water, just fucking push them in, just see what they do. Because they might not know that they can do it for themselves until you give them the opportunity to show that to themselves. I think a lot of parents are so busy trying to fucking protect their precious babies that they end up hurting them more than they ever would have by just letting them get out there and experience life because they're crippled. They don't know how to do shit for themselves. They don't know how to think for themselves. They don't know how to do anything without trying to please everyone around them so that they don't get in trouble. They don't know how to make friends by themselves or get a job or talk to women or make money or whatever. None of that. Because their entire life, their parents would just kept them in the fucking house away from reality but at some point you gotta leave the house. What's also ironic about that is a parent will fucking overprotect them, try to keep them so safe. But then even the parents get tired of their fucking kids. It's like, Jesus Christ, get out and get a job. You are gonna stay here until you're fucking 40, blah, blah, blah. And the parents won't even take responsibility for the little monster they created because they weren't thinking about their parenting decisions. And then the kid is like, well, what the fuck? I don't know how to do anything. I'm anxious, I'm scared, I'm afraid. I need medication, I need a therapist, I need blah, blah, blah. Because you spent all your life in captivity, bro. And now you're out in the wild. You don't know oh. what the fuck to do. That's why I'm so against overly protecting children. I would rather let my son break his leg and let it heal and figure it out for himself than, than say, no, don't go down there because you might break your legs. probably not the best analogy or example. But what I'm saying is, bro, you got to let them fucking experience life, bro. That's what gives you confidence. When you went to Argentina and Uruguay and came back by yourself, that gives you confidence. It's like, damn, I can fucking do anything, bro. Yeah. That was fucking nothing. And then the next trip's gonna be even bigger, even better, even, you know what I'm saying? But if you never would have been raised by great parents who gave you that confidence and let you do your own thing, the, the idea of leaving your city by yourself might be too much. You know what I mean? So oh, nah, bro. and not only that, but then like you focus all on your kids and raising them and it's all about them and you start working on yourself. You're going to develop problems like shit's going to go south at some point. You're going to get dissatisfied with life. You're going to become a piece of shit more than likely if you don't continue to develop yourself as a person, as a father, a mother, whatever. And then you're going to take that shit out on your children. You become a piece of shit and still have to raise these kids. They're living in a house with you, the person who stopped working on themselves. And you convinced yourself that you were doing something fantastic cuz it's all for my kids. It's like, nigga, you are hurting your kids by overprotecting and showering them with love and affection and blah blah blah. It's like, nah, bro. I think having mommy and daddy time is important. Letting kids be by themselves is important, you know. They don't get to they don't get to dictate where your time and attention goes 24/7. I don't think that's healthy cuz nowhere else in life do you find that type of relationship where every time I call you fucking answer when I call. Where else are you going to find that? And I'm not yeah. saying... I don't I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have kids. Maybe a loving mother would tell me I'm fucking crazy. A kid needs that. A psychologist might tell me a kid needs that. But I we, we would have to agree that after a certain age, you got to cut that shit out, bro. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm trying to say. After a certain age, you got to cut yeah. that shit out.
1: Absolutely, man. But I would imagine, though, it, it's got to be even more difficult to, like, in that process... <sighs> having to find like a common ground with your wife as well because imagine like you you might think that pulling your kid into the water and seeing what (laughs) happens is the best option Mm -hmm. but then your your wife is like oh no you gotta protect him don't do that and then you get into an argument and then the ideas do not have like an agreement so how do you raise a kid like that (laughs) with like contradicting ideas between the the parents so i would imagine in order for all of it to be successful the relationship between the two have to be really really good and work really really well Mm
2: -hmm. absolutely yeah it's all about communication right i mean like trying to I guess trying to establish some kind of common ground before y'all jump into a situation like that because it's funny how a lot of people maybe not even they may not even talk about it with their partners how they're going to raise the kids what their values are what I mean they don't have any game plan they're just like I love you and love is always enough so we'll make it work like nigga are you crazy bro What the fuck are you talking about? No, no, love is not enough. I don't give a fuck what anybody (laughs) says. It's important, but love alone is not enough, my friend, especially not the emotion love. The verb, the action love is much more important than the emotion that people love to romanticize. Love. I think the action is so much more important. And part of loving somebody sometimes means doing shit that you don't necessarily want to do, but it's the best thing for them. That's just the way I think about it. Yeah. Sometimes doing shit that you don't want to do, when it's the best thing for you. You know what I mean? That's love. Yeah, That's real love. So, I mean, I don't know, bro, but you're absolutely right. Like, getting on the same page with your partner, even if y'all are not going to have kids, just about where you're going in life with your partner <laughs> yeah. is so fucking important, bro. Like, how long have you and your girl been dating? How long has it been now?
1: A year... And a half now, something like that.
2: Okay, perfect. So let me ask you this. Have y'all even flirted with the idea of marriage or children?
1: Yeah, flirted a little bit.
2: Mm, with which one? Marriage or children or both? Both, yeah. Really? So, like, what do you guys... I mean, what do you guys... How do you see marriage? Where do you guys stand on that? You guys thinking about getting married one day? Are you... Yeah, is it important to you? Is it kind of like eh, and whatever, or what do you guys think about getting married?
1: Yeah, um, to to me, yeah, that's a difficult one because my girlfriend okay. has this idea that getting married after like early thirties is not really a good idea. Uh, she has this idea that she wants to get married before 30 and she wants to have kids before 30 because there's this whole idea with women where they don't want to be a mom old or they don't want to marry old, you know, and things like that, mm-hmm. which is something that I don't think I'm mature enough to understand yet because to me, it's like, you get married when you're stable in life. you have kids when you're stable in life. You don't do that just because I feel like that takes a lot of financial stability to okay. make it happen and a lot of life stability as well. You gotta be stable in life, and yeah. I don't want to do that with like just having a hustle in life and just figuring stuff out and then I have a kid that I gotta uh a parent and all that, I wanna do that with at least a peace of mind that my career is stable. It mm-hmm. is stable. I of course have more plans in life and I have more shit that I wanna work towards too but the the grind has already been done. Mm-hmm. You know? Like the the most difficult stuff yeah. I'm already I'm already past. But she has a different mindset of like, yeah, yeah I don't wanna be rich but like my, my son is 20 and I'm, like, 70. I haven't gotten to, like, actually take advantage of their, their childhood yeah. and their, their teenager uh, stage and all of that. So we have different ideas about that, but uh, we're in that process of, like, getting into the same page and mm-hmm. understanding each other and what we want. And that's actually a conversation that we had the other day. It's it's funny you mention that because we were like, uh, if, uh, if we had a kid and, yeah, if she was a teenager and she wanted to, I don't know, spend a night out with, I don't know, his boyfriend, who do you think she was going to ask permission to? And I was like, I don't know, maybe you you're like, no, of course it was you, because you, you're a lot more cool, you're mm-hmm. a lot more uh, easygoing, things like that. And that's funny to think about, man, that a kid will have, like, depending on the situation, uh, they will have somebody to ask you, <laughs> because they know that that's the right person to get that like what i want, and i had that as a kid we like,
2: all did man <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: Hell yeah. it's, it's weird man that in those cases there's no like common ground or, mm-hmm. or or same page you know there's there's always some that's to me it seems like something is not balanced because if one is more like uh permissive than other or more releasing than other mm-hmm. That that idea of like being on the same page is not is not really um, working.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, just listening to you talk, trying to put myself in that situation, I also think maybe that some things you'll just never be on the same page. You'll just never. Yeah. there'll never be a balance. You know what I mean? Whether it's tattoos or going out late or fucking smoking weed, it's just people are different, man. And I think it'll be very difficult to find a partner where y'all agree or see everything the same way. And that would also be a very fucking boring relationship, I imagine. So I think that's part of, I think, I think the most important thing is not that you have parents that are always on the same page. I think what's most important is having parents who are, are mature enough to sit you down at whatever age, 5, 7, 17, 25, and just have a conversation with you, a rational adult conversation about what daddy believes and why, what mommy believes and why. And then you can hear them kind of debate it out. And then they ask you, what do you think? And then we're all going to talk about it. At the end of the day, mommy and daddy have the final say. So that's just uh, perks that come with the job. We make the final decision, but at least we can talk about it. I don't, I don't really agree with the parenting style where it's like my way is the right way. And that's it. You better not question me, better not talk back to me. or not. I mean, like, of course, disrespect is one thing, but I think, I think communication going back to what we said earlier is the most important thing, bro. So even if me and mom are, have different opinions about whether or not she can go out for a night with her friends, it's like, we have to be able to at least talk about it and like present arguments and see it from the other perspective. And maybe this weekend she goes and maybe next weekend she doesn't, or maybe this weekend, just because you, you two, daughter and wife are ganging up and trying to convince me it's like you know what fuck it this weekend let's just let her do it see how it goes and we'll go from there if everything goes good she's earned our trust and now she can spread her wings a little bit more i don't know i don't know how it works my point is i think more important than being on the same page about everything is being able to talk about everything openly honestly and like adults because you don't find that in a lot of households i know i didn't have that in my house so i think if i were to raise kids. That would be priority number one is creating an open, clear, clean line of communication and fucking protecting it at all costs. Because when you lose communication with your partner or your children, you are fucked. It's over for you, bro. There's nothing left. Even if you live in the same house, there's nothing left. So for me, communication is everything.
1: Absolutely. And definitely not trying to have that communication after you have kids because <laughs> yeah. it's not going to happen. Man. Just just make sure yeah. that you, you have that in control before jumping into that responsibility.
2: 100%. Because you're also going to find yourself, like, even if we talk about as much as we can before we get married, all the possible situations, what would you do? What would I do? There's still going to be some unexpected shit. It's, life's going to throw curveballs. Kids throw curveballs every fucking day, bro. They just, you just never know what to expect from fucking kids. And so you just have to be able to kind of like roll with the punches. And if you don't have a good partner by your side, bro, good fucking luck, man. And I think that's what causes the most like anxiety for me when I think about getting married and raising a family is like, am I actually going to be the one that's qualified to do it? And am I going to find a partner that is also qualified to do it and compatible with me so that we can fucking work together and keep this shit solid? Functional, you know what I mean? That's probably yeah. what scares me the most, I guess.
1: Absolutely, I man. Yeah. But man, I think we're about to wrap this up, man. Three hours and a half. What? Three
2: fifteen? <laughs> hell yeah, man. What time is it? Man. <laughs> Bro, it's midnight here. It's what, two in the morning where you are? Jesus yeah.
1: Christ. Man, I didn't even see time. Yeah, man,
2: but bro, bro, always a pleasure, man. So it's always a great conversation. Absolutely, my friend. But yeah, let me go ahead and wrap this up. I'm gonna say peace to everybody listening. Thank y'all for your time and attention. We're gonna get out of here, man.